The following episode of the Nitrogen Podcast was recorded two weeks before the sad passing of Joe Laurinaitis, a.k.a. Road Warrior Animal. If you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know that the Road Warriors are a prominent feature on WCW Nitro at this moment in time, and we do continue to enjoy his work from then. Our sympathy and our condolences goes out to all of Animal's close friends and family, and we're with you at this time. Godspeed, Mr. Laurinaitis, and thank you for everything. What's going on, peeps? It's uh, your favourite boys here once again, bringing you another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast here. It's uh, Marcus Alexander Bath, Bagwell and uh, Das Dropkick Drop Kid. <laughs> I was trying something different then and I fucked it up. <laughs> nice try. Uh, of course, it's Marvellous Mark Ashworth and it's uh, Das Acton Kid, Brian Bradshaw. Why is Das Acton Kid, Brian Bradshaw so much easier to say than Das Dropkick Kid, Scotty Riggs? I no idea. Uh, no idea. I thought you were just going to go with my, uh, my Twitter name. Not my handle. My handle's still the same. My actual Twitter name. Um, because I've started... Uh, I've entered this fantasy football uh, thing at work. And I've called my team the Dangerous Alliance. Because they call me Dangerous Brian at work. So I've actually changed my Twitter name to Bright A Dangerously. Wow, okay. I've not even yeah. seen that, to be honest. I've, I've literally very briefly been on Twitter today um, just just for one tweet and that was it yeah so there you go you can always use that well we'll go with that one then I'll try and remember it for next time yeah um, how are you Brian <laughs> I'm not too bad how are you uh, I, I'm, I'm tired a lot of shit's going on at work and I might be getting furloughed again but you know it's just the usual stuff yeah we'll be alright we always swim yeah. through these sorts of things and come out the other side yeah Hopefully no more technical issues on your side. Uh, there's certainly going to be no more on my side, at least hopefully for a very long time. Uh, rest assured, guys, I've got a brand new PC. So <laughs> the the days of my computer starting up and whirring and no picture coming up on the, uh, on the screen are over. We've had quite a few panic attacks of me and Mark uh, in regards to that. Oh, Let's yeah. just say. Yeah. But as, as we've been told before, if we don't have technical difficulties, then we're not real podcasters, really, are we? Ah, so we're not, yes. So, yeah. So, we're... Um, obviously, this is going to be a bit of a change-up because um, me, being me, I managed to cock up the um, formatting that we were going to do for these shows for. And basically, we've ended up with a Nitro, a pay-per-view, and a Nitro. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to cover the Nitro, which is Nitro number 28 from Chattanooga in Tennessee. And then what we're going to do is going to watch the main event of Uncensored, whatever that might be, because there's some details in this uh, coverage for Nitro 28. And then we're going to cover Nitro 29 and we're going to try and fly through it as as fairly speedy as possible with as much detail as possible. And a lot of fun as well, because, um, oh boy, there's a lot in this that got us hot. <laughs> Isn't that right, Brian? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, speaking of flying through it, um, we're actually quite lucky that this episode to go straight into the fucking action. Yes. Like, I think this is the fastest start to an episode of Nitro that has been yet. Yeah, I uh, I really liked it. Uh, um, again, that unpredictability and just boom, straight in your face. And you can't get any bigger than the giant and Loch Ness brawling in the entrance ways. The commentators, are, they're not even ready to 
you know, start the show or anything like that. Um, I'm just chuckling to myself because I said fast start, and then the two people you see is fucking the giant and Loch Ness, probably two of the slowest wrestlers on the roster. <laughs> one of the one of the things that I do miss about the WWE Network is the ability to speed things up and slow things down, so like play things at a, at a faster pace. Now, if you could have sped this up by about twenty five percent, you might have had actually had normal. You know, strikes, nor, sort of like a normal speed of strikes and kicks and whatever else they were doing to each other. Uh, speeding up 100%, we'll get a cruiserweight. <laughs> I mean, we'll get a cruiserweight <laughs> match between two fucking super heavyweights. Yeah. Uh, as Brian says, these guys are just not, not messing about, just fighting with each other, brawling in the uh, in the entranceway. And Lex Luger's music starts up and he's coming out uh, holding his titles aloft. And he gets to the bottom of the uh, ramp and just pauses while his pyro's going off. And these two just carry on fighting. Like, it's almost as if they can't hear anything. They can't see anything. They've both got tunnel vision for each other. Although, primarily, the giant is completely obliterating Loch Ness here. Loch Ness is he's getting no offence in whatsoever. I absolutely loved Lex Luger here. Uh, <laughs> just a bravado. He just comes out. He just looks over. And he just does his fucking pause and looks, looks over again and just walks past him. Like, just... Uh, yeah, it's just background noise. Yeah, just fucking brilliant. I honestly, you're gonna get a few compliments of Lex Luger in these couple of episodes. You are for me as well. You are. Yeah. Um, I, I'm glad we're on the same wavelength because I don't want to feel like a fucking idiot for praising this guy. No, definitely not. They've they've found something with Lex now. They've they've <laughs> for all the slagging off that we've done, maybe about the creative and about Lex, we've actually gone down an avenue that really suits him. But we're gonna go into more detail as this goes on. And it starts right now, actually, because Lex is going to get into the ring and he's going to demand that the referee ring the bell for the match, which is supposed to be uh, Lex Luger versus Loch Ness for the television title. The referee complies with it and proceeds to count out Loch's ne- uh, Loch Ness while Lex is just flexing um, once the referee's decided, you know, this is a count out and Lex is going to win by count out. So it's essentially a 10 second match, quote unquote, but. It's not a match. Uh, yeah, which is weird because in wrestling rules, both uh, both competitors have to be in the ring before you can ring the bell to start the match. Exactly. Now, Loch Ness doesn't make his way to the ring. Yeah. So, by, by default, this this match should be thrown out. But that said, the, what it leads to is fantastic. It, it does end... end uh, the hot start does end like a wet fart to me. <laughs> but the way Logo just celebrates this... This win, like I'm on the, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a roll. He says, I thought you were gonna say I'm undefeated. No, I'm on a roll and all that shit. Fucking absolutely brilliant. It suits Luger so well. It does. He's such a despisable character, so make him lean into that a little bit. Yep. If if people are getting sick of him and you're kind of seeing on TV as well, you know, you're not seeing great wrestling, great athleticism. He, he's kind of annoying in almost all of his traits, including his hair. Um, why not sort of send him down the heel path? Um, we are carrying on as well. This uh, dynamic with Sting. Okay, Sting's not here, but Jimmy Hart is in the ring dancing around, and and Lex kind of shoves him off and tells him to get out of the ring. And Jimmy Hart soon sort of runs off again. Um, and as you said, he comes to the commentary desk. You know, after the commentators <laughs> have managed to actually get mics up and get ready. And he's just saying, no, I'm, I'm totally in form. And he's taking it as a win. And Mongo McMichael is just like, really? You're going to take that as a win? <laughs> but Bobby Heenan is just delighted, applauding him while he's saying, yes, yes. 
that's got to be the quickest victory in all of wrestling. And Heenan's just like, you're so brilliant. You're so and awesome. And we're going to call it the shortest title defense in WCW history as well. Yeah. <laughs> but what I absolutely love about this is when Luger actually steps up to the commentary, the first thing Mongo goes is, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, fucking hell. We're just so on the same wavelength, like, oh, for fuck's sake, Luger's going to talk. Great. But <laughs> surprisingly, it, it was just it was just fun. You can't you can't take it away take it away. Um it, it was just a fun little segment. It was. Um of course in in WCW's world it was meant to be a, a full length match that was supposed to go on for a few minutes, but it didn't. So Bischoff says that there's a standby match between the Steiners and Public Enemy and that we've not to go anywhere as we go to a break. And once we come back from that break, he, uh, <laughs> Hulk Hogan has <laughs> matched on man Randy Savage come out, and I'm instantly like, hang on a minute, did Bischoff just say there was going to be another match, a standby match? So, for a change, it's not Mean Gene Auckland, it's uh, Tony Schiavone, who's actually doing the uh, the interviewing for it, Mean Gene Auckland, who was apparently ill at this point, although oh dear. it's debatable whether or not he was. I'm sure I heard somewhere that he was negotiating a new contract here, but he was actually saying to WCW, well, you do realise and go back to WWF and WCW was sort of going, yeah, okay then, go for it. Um, so they were kind of calling his bluff a little bit. I, my timeline could be wrong there, but I'm pretty sure I've I've heard it and that explains his absence here. Yeah, I've heard that as well. It kind of sounds like a Mean Gene thing to do. I think they said that they had a 1-900 number up in the WWF, but they had another guy doing it and WCW were fairly confident that they weren't going to replace this other guy with Gene Auckland because the other guy was actually doing a fairly decent job. So there you go. So Shivani introduces the Mega Powers, calls them the Mega Powers as well, which perplexed me. I don't know about you, Brian, but yeah. Yep. This... yep. It's very weird that they're going with the Mega Powers name. I thought that would have been a WWF trademark. Um, maybe Hulk Hogan or Savage, or both of them, have ownership of it here. Mm. I don't know, but this is the first time they even referred to, referred to them as such. Yeah, it's so much easier in today's society, in today's world. Look at Cody Rhodes, a prime example. All you need to do is just go on the internet and see if the trademark's there, and then that's it. You find out, yep, it's owned by the WWE. No, it's not owned by the WWE. Back in 1996, it was a little bit harder to come by. You know, you had to go through a, a solicitor or a lawyer, as they call it over there, who'd have to then talk to another lawyer, who'd then have to go to, like, some sort of library of trademarks or whatever i don't know there must have been so much legwork for that sort of stuff that must have been why court cases took so long when it came to trademarks and stuff but in this day and age it's as simple as that you google it you find out who owns it job done it's a 30 second job yep pretty much but speaking of trademarks here i'm gonna go out on a limb and say that macho man is looking more mcdonald's than anything yes that's what i put down I'm digging it. I, I still can't do the proper impression, but <laughs> I've got to say, I've got to segue a little bit. <laughs> the ending of the last podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you've listened back to it or if you've just skipped to the end or anything like that. And I'm surprised we've had absolutely no no feedback on it whatsoever. But I have listened back. Obviously, I don't do it for egotistical reasons. I do it to make sure there's no errors. Um, so <laughs> So I listened back to it and I kept your impression in. <laughs> and the theme at the end, uh, it, it stops just as you go, Whoa, but then you start choking. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. 
<laughs> and I'm just pissing myself laughing in background that I said that's staying in. And then you, you obviously you you finish it with tri- well, like fantastic. Uh, but yeah, just the music cutting off at the the exact time. And it, oh mate, honestly, you've got to hear it. <laughs> See, what you guys don't realise is that this podcast isn't for your entertainment. It's just a long-haul rib on me. This is what I have to deal with, guys. <laughs> by the end, by the time we've finished all this, there's just going to be a compilation of all these fucking ribs that he's pulled on me. Oh. Got fucking Owen Hart on the other side here. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He was oh. known for his ribs. He was, he was. He was known as like the he was the greatest ribber in wrestling, apparently, wasn't he? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> let's get back to this nitro, shall we? Hogan says that they have the upper hand and predicts the same momentum at the pay-per-view that they've had from the two previous matches, which have been six-man tag team matches, which both Hogan and Macho have been on the winning side for. Hogan, Hogan got the winning both of them as well, I think. I can't remember. Yeah, I think he, he, <laughs> he, he pinned Fleur in the dog strap match thing whatever um i can't remember the first one now you, you don't really want to remember them you don't want to watch them folks that's what's what you were here for yeah. that, that's basically where i'm at i'm like i'm not even gonna bother looking back into my notes because i still got them I'm just like no nope, fuck it i don't no. want to remember those two matches just can we move on please yeah the good thing is <laughs> at least uh at least on these nitros there isn't going to be a six-man tag involving the same fucking competitors for fucking two weeks in a row no unfortunately we're just going to get a whole different kind of clusterfuck <laughs> Hogan then tells Macho to call him the dirtiest player in the game at a cheap shot there at Ric Flair. Uh, Macho made me completely forget about everything that he said once he'd said the words nitroglycerin style in a little while. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't thank know. you. I can't remember it. I honestly cannot remember it. I didn't rewind it. Uh, what he said before. The tip of the it. iceberg. He says the tip of the iceberg is going to happen nitroglycerin style in a little while. Yeah. Yeah, I love that because it just says Nitro and it's just yeah, yeah, it's just fucking creative genius for Macho again. I don't know if it's creative genius; it's just creative. I did, I did make a note of Hogan's arms. Uh, they look fucking massive here. Like I know that he used to proclaim to have the largest arms in the world, and then he'd usually say that next to Scott Steiner, and I'm pretty sure in Scott Steiner's head, he's like, "No, nah, mate, I don't think you do." No, Scott Steiner had the largest arms in the world. Remember, he doesn't say arms; he says arms. <laughs> It did always look like they were going to pop if you just put a needle in them. But yeah, Hogan, I think... You just touch it and it just explodes. Yeah. I think when Hogan, when the TV camera was on Hogan, I think think he was tensing like fuck. But honestly, kudos to Hogan here. Um, Obviously, he's off the roids at this point and he looks, his arms just look fucking out of this world, like fucking huge. Yeah, I don't think I've said this on the podcast that... Despite his limitations as a wrestler, despite the fact that he's a racist hot dog man, um, Hulk Hogan in WCW, in this timeline, he looks the best he ever did. I agree, yeah. You know, he's dropped all the steroids, he actually looks like, you know, he looks natural. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the fake tan, obviously, but, you know, who doesn't have that? You can't take it away from the guy, He, he does look in peak shape. He does, yeah. I mean, being out in Miami, Florida, and you know, sort of living there and everything like that, it might not even be a fake tan, but it's just like it's sort of like he does spend a lot of time in the sun, but also does seem to be spending a lot of time in the gym as well. It's one thing you couldn't fault him on is you know to look the part. He certainly does put the effort in. 
and and that's one of those misconceptions with steroids. You don't just inject them into your body and then suddenly you just bulk up. You still have to put in the work. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you know, and and Hulk Hogan, for all intents and purposes, has always put the work in. Yep, he certainly has. Even even to this day, even to this day. Yeah, I mean, you you just let go of, you know doing all that gym work and everything like that and it's going to turn to flab in, in literally weeks you know it doesn't even take months does it especially at that age it'll all just drop um so you've got to keep on top of it and to be fair to hogan he does as much as we hate him um and that's you know like a mutual hatred as well um for me and Brian i think it's against... a universal hatred at this point <laughs> the other thing i've got to give him kudos for is that he's plugging the hell out of this doomsday cage match uncensored which uh, we haven't give, we haven't been given many details about. They've not shown people how it's going to look, and and they've not really spoke about it much. Although we just know that it's going to be a doomsday cage, and they did say something about there being multiple cages. Yeah, they said four cages. Yeah, I kind of had this idea that it was going to be again like war games. It always sounds like war games. Like the last pay per view sounded like war games. I thought again, oh here we go, we're going to have two fucking cages next to each other. Uh, however, that isn't going to be the case. And like I said. Once this Nitro's over and done with, we're going to do a live watch-along of the main event, which is the Doomsday Cage match. We're going to describe it in all its awful detail, just for you guys out there, uh, yeah. so that you don't have to watch it. <laughs> I do have to wonder, with the amount of cage matches they're having recently, uh, do they have just all these backlog of cages stuck in a warehouse somewhere, <laughs> and somebody's told them, right, right, okay, these cages are starting, they're starting to lose the wear, uh, get them used so we can get some new ones in. And then they're like, yep, okay, right, this pay per view, we'll have two cages, next pay per view, we'll have four cages. Uh, you know, in the future, we might have six, then we'll go eight, we've got ten, we've got twelve. Like, what is going on? Why Why are they obsessed with these cages? You, you know, you might be onto something there. You know, they had all them fireworks that they were trying to get rid of. I'm pretty sure the fireworks were in these cages, and now they're just trying to get rid of the cages. I think the fireworks are still there in the warehouse in TNT because I was watching Dynamite the other night, and fuck me. Hell, what fireworks are again? Oh, man. <laughs> there's, still, there's a lot on this fucking Nitro as well, to be fair. I'll tell you something, TNT, they must put on the best... Uh, it's ha- in the uh, name. Yeah, <laughs> Fireworks yeah, are in exa- the name. <laughs> exactly. They must have the best New Year's party ever, and nobody knows about it. Oh, yes. I was going to say Bonfire Night, but that's a strictly British thing. It is. Yes. It's ours. I always forget that. Into a match, and uh, it's Public Enemy versus the Steiner Brothers, the match that we were promised. And it sounds as if the theme for Public Enemy uh, has some sort of like crowd noise alongside it initially, but then I noticed as the comment uh, that the commentary completely cuts out while they're dragging a table to ringside. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I, f- I think it's actually a-, a network thing. I think the commentators might have been talking about something that the network have muted out, but then dubbed over with crowd noise. And I'm interested to find out what this is. I have no idea, because mm. I didn't even notice. So, next out is the Steiners, and they're out to a big pop from the crowd, except for one snot-nosed little bastard who was booing them in the front row. Heenan again asks why Rick Steiner is wearing earmuffs. Yeah, it was a very weird comment, because he says, if he is hard of hearing, he should sell shoes with Al Bundy or something. What the fuck does that even mean? I have no idea. <laughs> no. Neither do I. Somebody in America, please tell us what that means. At Nitrogencast on Twitter, get get to us, because this doesn't make any sense to us. 
some uh, some decent wrestling initially, I thought, between Rocco and Scotto. Uh, that starts us off. Scotty with a big tilt a whirl slam. Teasy's putting the uh, <laughs> Teasy's putting the Rock through a table. Yeah, okay. Um, Teasy's putting Rocco through a table, but instead axe handles him from the apron. Uh, the camera cuts away from the Steiners doing the Steiners pose, where Rick runs around Scott and then goes in between his legs and and sort of goes on all fours. Uh, sounds a bit sexual, that, doesn't it? Um, it does a little bit. Yeah, but there's but nothing sexual about that. I should hope so. <laughs> you know, it'd be very, uh, it'd be very wrong. Let's just say it would a little bit. Yeah. Outside, Rick, who is now the legal man, gets thrown into a plastic moulded chair. You don't see them very often in wrestling, do you? Yes, and it's a recurring thing throughout the night. It, took, it I thought, are you in like a, a school gym here? They got these kiddie, what you'd find in a in a in a kids' school, what we call a primary school, what in America we call an elementary school. It, it looks like something like that, and it turns out the crowd is sitting on them. Oh, I, di- I didn't notice the crowd was sitting on him. I thought it was just the same one. And I did detail, like, I've detailed every time it comes up. Uh, yeah. But I did think Later it was the on. same one. I thought maybe, it, like, one of the ring girls were uh, sitting on it or Dave Penzer or something like that. Yeah. Later on, a certain guy that comes in, um, yeah, he grabs one from the crowd. Oh, okay. I, I must have missed that. Um, yeah. I'm not spoiling who that guy is. No, not yet. <laughs> Rick gets thrown into the plastic moulded chair by Rocco, who is also a legal man now. Um, back in the ring, there's a moonsault attempt, which attempt, uh, which connects with a headbutt, not necessarily the body. Uh, a DDT straight after, which I found bizarre. You've just moonsaulted somebody, pick them up to DDT them. I just, if they're on the mat, keep them on the mat. That's my kind of psychology behind that, but instead he picks him up to do a DDT to him. Yeah, it's a public enemy. They don't have in-ring psychology. No, not really. Um there's a splash attempt, but Rick slams him down to the mat to reverse it. Scott is in now, gives a big fisherman suplex off the top rope, which was fucking really sweet to Rocco. But Rocco recovers, uh, attempts a moonsault off the rope and almost misses it. And if it weren't for Scott saving it, it would have looked atrocious. Um, Bischoff announces during this match that the Cruiserweight title tournament will be done over the two continents, while saying that now Sting and Booker T are going to have to take on Hawk and Animal in the Chicago Street fight at Uncensored because of Jimmy Hart and Lex Luger. Doesn't really go into much detail other than we what we already know from the beginning of Nitro. Um, he also mentions the breaking news, and this, this actually did break during the episode of Nitro, that Dennis Rodman had been handed a six-game ban from the NBA and a $20,000 fine for headbutting a referee in an NBA game. So Eric Bischoff didn't go into this detail, but uh, I had a quick Google to see what had happened. And he headbutted a referee in an NBA game for the Chicago Bears, to which he actually received a two hundred twenty-one thousand dollar fine because of his salary. So it's like a percentage fine type thing because he's on more than two hundred thousand pounds a year. Um, so he got into quite a little bit of bother there. Uh, a fine example of how live is once again working in WCW's favor, which uh, as opposed to WWF, which is still taped. Obviously able to offer tidbits of information like this while the show is on, but it also helps that Robin actually appeared at WCW Bash at the Beach 1995 to stop Kevin Sullivan and Zodiac from getting in the cage while Hogan and Vader fought for the world title. 
Yeah, I was really confused. I was trying to deduce why they were actually talking about this. And I know that Dennis Rodman does appear in WCW later on. I didn't know he had an appearance beforehand. Yeah. But the way I thought it, uh, what I thought was uh, in, in present day, um, TNT have the rights to the NBA. Yeah. So I was thinking that, okay, back in the day, they must have had those rights. And it was just kind of like cross-platforming. Uh, well, yeah. cross-promoting, should I say. It would have made sense, but uh, yeah, um, as, as you obviously uh, didn't know that he appeared at Bash of the Beach 1995, he, he was actually in a promo with Hogan after that. I'm, I'm presuming him and Hogan were fairly tight from that point onwards. Um, the Bash at the Beach 1995 pay-per-view was actually at the same time when they did the whole filming for the Baywatch episode because the the Baywatch episode was actually called Baywatch Bash at the Beach that was the title of the episode ah. um, so there was actually some of the uh, Baywatch folks were in the crowd at Bash at the Beach as well which was also on a beach and was a completely free pay-per-view for anybody to turn up and there was nearly 10,000 people showed up for it obviously it's fucking free, hell so. we do have to watch that Baywatch episode we have to find it and watch it I think so yeah um the other thing that I want to mention to you actually as well, I've uh, been catching up on my podcast, uh, particularly 83 weeks, and we didn't... So one thing that we haven't mentioned at all is ticket prices to these Nitros. And they've just detailed the second Nitro. So the first Nitro that goes up against WWF Raw, because obviously the first Nitro was uh, unopposed. So the second Nitro, the ticket prices were $5 and $10. Wow, it's fucking incredible that, isn't it? Now look at the prices. Like, obviously, we can only go off what the kind of prices that we pay when 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 they come to the UK and everything like that. But boy, they ain't cheap. <laughs> God Lord, you think ten dollars now in an exchange rate is probably eight quid? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and you should be. I mean, if WWE SmackDown comes down here to Manchester or whatever, you've got to be paying eighty, ninety. To try and get ringside, maybe even more than that. I'm not even. I'm not entirely sure. Johnny Grunge is in now and gets the upper hand initially, but Scott gets the advantage while Rick Steiner finds himself on a table. Uh, Rocco goes over the top rope for a senton attempt through the table, but there's no Rick Steiner to connect with. Scotty gets Grunge up in an electric chair style, and Rick gets a huge bulldog off the top rope, and it's going to be a pin and a win for the Steiner brothers. And Scott looks directly into the camera straight after and says that Hawk and Animal now have big, big problems. Looking forward to seeing Hawk and Animal versus the Steiners again. Yeah, I am as well. That was a big highlight from the last podcast. Oh, yes. And this match, we've glossed over it a little bit. It weren't that bad a match either. It weren't. And we've got to give credit to the public enemy because they did stand toe-to-toe with the Steiners. You know, yeah. um, the actual, the first move in the match was a tilt-a-whirl attempt by Scott Steiner and Rock or Rock somehow out of nowhere reverses with an arm drag. Like, yeah, yeah I've never seen them, I can't really say I've seen much of Public Enemy, you know, I've just heard that they're, they're trash and what we've seen of them as being, well, trash. <laughs> but they, they, they were... They were really good in this match. They were. I, th- I think the Steiners were directing traffic here, to be honest, so that they could have a little bit more of a technical match rather than what Public Enemy are known for. Obviously, we've got the table at ringside, so sooner or later, we all knew that that was going to come into play. Yeah. Uh, but I do think Steiners were directing traffic. But as you said, Public Enemy have followed instruction perfectly here, in my opinion. Yeah. Very and decent match, yeah. 
And a couple of weeks ago, we were having a chat about um, uh, estate agents in uh, wrestling. Rick Steiner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's another one. He is. He is. That's his uh, his main thing now. The one yeah. thing. Uh, Just something I found out the other day. Yeah. The I, I've I've had him. I've actually I have his phone number in my phone <laughs> because. Uh, How have you him. never told me this? I've never met him. Okay. So it's it's just one of them things, really. If I ever need a property in America, I'm just going to call him up or call up Dave Penzer because he, he does that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, got Scott Steiner's number, have you? <laughs> no. I, should, I should fucking hope not. No. <laughs> just in theory, if you was to ring Scott Steiner and you didn't get an answer and he went straight to voicemail, what would his voicemail message sound like? Uh, you got to... Thirty-three and thir- third percent chance of me picking up the phone while you're leaving a message. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Please leave that in. <laughs> Next up, um, fuck. Iron Anderson with woman versus booty the boring beefcake. Um, Iron and woman look great. Booty looking like the Yeti actually with this fucking get up. That's just. Shit. Uh, I actually said he looks like Billy Zapka from um, Karate Kid. Oh, good shout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with the hair, the eyes, you know. Obviously, Billy Zapka wore black and he wears white. He's a Poundland Billy Zapka. (laughs) He's a bleached. (laughs) Yes. Um, It's announced on commentary that Booty will face face DDP uncensored. And if he defeats him, DDP loses. And you might have heard this before. DDP loses $6 million. And okay, Kimberly. Now. now, where have I heard this before? <laughs> so we're rehashing a storyline from four weeks ago. Great. But it is stipulated that if DDP loses, he also loses his employment contract with WCW as well. So right. there is a little bit more added to it. Right. So I've got to ask Johnny B. Bad, no longer part of the roster. Mm-hmm. Was it in the pre match contract with DDP that? If he leaves anytime soon, he has to give back uh, the money to DDP and the services of Kimberly Page. Well, I mean that would make sense. You could play that in. Yeah, it, it was. It was. Other the... than that, he must have won his won another. You know, he must have won another lottery draw. <laughs> yeah, who was who's the um, who's the commissioner guy that they kept banging on about in like the first five weeks that never made an appearance? Oh, I can't remember. Nick Botwinkle. Ah, yes. So you have basically just took Nick Bockwinkle's fucking place on WCW Nitro and made up a, a reasonable argument as to why this would make sense again. Hi, I'm Bri Bradwinkle. <laughs> Bradwinkle. <laughs> Man, you're going to be changing name on Twitter every week, I tell you. Oh, fucking hell. Uh, other matches that are announced for uh, uncensored during this uh, entrance slash match is that Eddie Eddie Guerrero is going to take on Conan for the United States title Uh, Sting and Booker T again we're told that um, Sting and Booker T will face off against Hawk and Animal uncensored it's also announced that Medusa is going to face off against Colonel Robert Parker to close off that storyline nice and early uh, the Giant will face off against Loch Ness. And now it's Hogan and Macho Man 
to face the Horseman Dungeon Hybrid Faction, which will be affectionately known as, what is it, the Alliance to End Hulkamania? I think that's what they were calling themselves. Yeah, a very um, cumbersome name. Mm. And so that's changed from last week when it was just going to be Hogan. Heenan also describes the cages, so we get a little bit more detail on what these cages are going to look like. Uh, and he says basically it's going to be a cages on top of cages for the Doomsday Cage match, of which the participants are constantly changing, like on a on, literally on an hourly basis. WCW were having a lot of fun with this because there's mega confusion on what's happening with this fucking match. Into Orange versus Booty and Orange sells. I always seem to find myself saying the same thing about Orange matches. Orange sells brilliantly for Booty, uh, as always, particularly getting a 10 count of heads driven into the turnbuckles and then attempting a dazed left hand spinning around and just falling to the mat. Loved it. Um, Anderson keeps going out to get a breath and it works on the second attempt to change the tide and allow Orin to heal it up. Kimberly makes her way to the ring and Woman takes her shoe off. Although initially I think Woman was taking her shoe off to aid Orin. Kimberly came out at the right time and Woman confidently struts, only wearing one high heel, mind you, towards Kimberly uh, ready to fight. It was quite amusing to see Woman sort of normal height, small height, normal height, small height while she was walking along. But she didn't give a fuck. She was just like, just maintain, looking like a badass bitch. Um, Booty heads out of the ring to get between her and Kimberly. And Arn takes full advantage of this. But Booty is back up just as Arn is getting back into the ring. He bounces off the ropes with a high knee to Arn's head. And he gets the pinfall from this to a good pop from a crowd that's actually sat down through most of this match. Uh, hmm. What were your thoughts on that one? Who fucking gives a shit? Oh, there you go. Yeah, the booty man. The booty, 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 booty man, as what Hulk Hogan called him, beat Arn Anderson and cleanly on natural. Yeah. Yeah, really? the, highlight, the highlight of this is, is woman again. Yeah. I mean, and you're having to reach for that highlight. It's mm. the Booty Man versus Arn Anderson. The <sighs> can we just get rid of this guy, please? <laughs> I hope it comes sooner rather than later. I really do. Send it back to WWF. Uh, next up, we're going to see Send the Road him back Warriors. Send to the fucking train station in Boston so we can get fucking arrested for <laughs> potentially having anthrax in his suitcase when it's actually cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> when you told me that story, I can't fucking believe it. My God, what a fucking... It's actually slightly heroic, but yeah, what a fucking dickhead. Um, yeah. Shout out to Ed Leslie. Fuck off! <laughs> really cannot stand this fucking guy. I mean, I actually made a point of this. I actually screencapped his entrance on uh, on my phone because uh, I was watching, it, uh, watching, watching this on my phone. And I put it on Twitter, and I asked, what the fuck is he doing? What is that entrance? It looks like he's trying to uh, trying to dance and jive, but he's not. Yeah. It kind of just looks like he's having an epileptic fit while standing up. Uh, yeah, I, there's just nothing about this guy. There's no redeeming qualities about him. No. And I'll tell you what, from what you've just said, he should be very careful, because you never know. Disco Inferno might take ex- exceptions to that. Ooh. 
Oh, why? <laughs> Next up, the Road Warriors are going to face off face off against the Steiner Brothers, according to an excited Eric Bischoff. But I actually <laughs> thought that on the TV, they look like the Nasty Boys. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I heard that, and I'm like, okay, what happened there then? Yeah. Did it, Road did Warriors... It just, did it, did WCW have really good catering at this point? So after that match, you fucking Rick and Scott are like, man, we're hungry. And just fucking ate whole catering, then came back out, like packing fucking weight. Like, I, I that, that, my mind just went away straight away because obviously it's the Nasty Boys and who gives a fuck about the Nasty Boys? I completely agree. And also going back to the 83 weeks episode from this week, um, I'm pretty sure that Bischoff did say that they had really good catering in WCW. So, just 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 to put that out there, but ah, nobody so gets anywhere what... near it because the nasty boys have eaten it all. Yeah, so that's why all these fucking random fuckers are jumping from WWE to WCW. WWE at this point are having hand sandwiches for catering. <laughs> yeah, in WCW. No water. I-, I wonder if that was actually a selling point. Like, oh, you've got hand sandwiches and water. We've got beef bargain young. Come on <laughs> over, like, <laughs> come over here. We'll feed you. Yeah. The Road Warriors are going to come out here and they're still massively over, which is great to see, but they are supposed to be the heels. Um, we brawl straight to a break. We see an advert for Uncensored that should carry a flash warning for epilepsy sufferers. And... Ah, so, that, so that's what happened. Booty Man actually saw this advert before he came out. It was still selling the effects. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, they ain't dance moves. They are definite spasms, aren't they? Uh, we come back from the break slash nauseatingly fit-inducing advert for Uncensored. The Nasty Boys are on top, double-teaming Hawk, but as Nobbs goes up top, Animal knocks him down onto a rope, and Hawk bounces him off the rope, off the apron, and into a guardrail, which at the end of this match you actually see a replay of, and to be fair to Nobbs, fuck me, did he go for it. Yeah, um, it was it was really fucking nasty. Yeah, it did nasty. No, no pun intended. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's literally what I actually wrote wrote down. By the way, no pun intended. <laughs> but I was kind of bo- hoping that his head hit the guardrail and it would just implode like <laughs> everywhere. Because out of both, I can't fucking stand Brian Nobbs. Nobbs is a very very fitting name for him. <laughs> it's such a big knob you have to name him twice he's not knob he's knobs he's more than one knob he's not <laughs> yeah I completely agree with that as well I've never been a fan um, fucking, what, they both get on my nerves but what did I actually so. call these guys uh, Brian Jerry and Saggy Knobs Saggy Knobs yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sticking to that <laughs> the uh, well you'd be happy to know that the blue plastic chair makes a return uh, it gets smashed over almost everybody's head <laughs> I think it's Animal that's just flailing this thing around, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure he hits his own yeah. fucking tag team partner at one point. Um, it's it's brawl, brawl, brawl from this point onwards. There's not really much to it. Hawk looks uh, uninterested when he's in the corner. He he doesn't look like he's interested in selling for Nobs, who's making a comeback out of the corner, which is pretty funny to see. Animal with a huge power slam as Nobs comes off the rope. Match loses any sort of structure when the people actually start forgetting where they are meant to be. It's almost as if they don't know where the fuck, you know, where, where the finish has gone, who's supposed to be in the ring or whatever. But luckily the Steiners are going to come out and they're going to just twat the nasties who have come out to meet them. <laughs> twat the nasties, that's the name of my new concept album. <laughs> 
Brian Botwinkle with <laughs> to the nasties. Hey, Brad Winkle, not Botwinkle. Come on. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Botwinkle's not a very easy thing to say either. I don't even know why. Brad Brad Winkle sounds easier to say. Anyway, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I look forward to the uh, to the title track from. Doesn't that Brad Winkle like sound like somebody from the Goonies or something? Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Um, while this brawl's happening, Animal manages to get a cheap shot with a spike on Brian Nobbs in the ring, and it's a three count for Animal again using the sneaky, sneaky, healy, healy tactics. Hawk has the plastic chair again, and he's hitting the Steiners in the head with him, but they ain't going down for it. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're tough fuckers. I love this chair. <laughs> oh, man. Next up, we're going to see Ric Flair and Kevin Sullivan, who are accompanied to the ring by a woman. Uh, versus Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage and as uh, the heel two are coming out woman's carrying the big gold belt on her shoulder for the champ while her husband walks behind them both which is so, just still perplexes me by the way the first thing I, I noted on this is I just had this sudden realisation when I was watching it last night Kevin, Kevin Sullivan looks a lot like Kevin Smith here he actually looks like Kevin Smith. Yeah, uh, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. You put a beanie on that guy, take away the bloody sharpie, mar- uh, sharpie markings off his face. That's Kevin fucking Smith. I swear to God. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, unlike Silent Bob, Kevin Smith, uh, Ke- Kevin Smith, Kevin Sullivan never knows how to shut the fuck up. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. Though he is making his way to the ring here, and he is quite quiet. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, he- he's playing Silent Bob. He's it's playing Silent Bob, yeah, and seeing woman next to Ric Flair, and then Kevin Sullivan sort of sul- sulking behind the pair of them. It's kind of like that meme, you know, the um, you versus the guy. She tells you not to worry about, yeah, <laughs> but you can believe it, a Ric Flair as well, hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. Oh man! Uh, next out, we've got uh, Hogan and obviously Macho Man Randy Savage. And uh, fuck me, I'm going to compliment Hogan again. His yellow tie-dye shirt actually looks cool as fuck, uh, and I don't care. Oh, I really yeah. like it. It does. Um, both run into the ring and get met by Sullivan and Fleur straight away. Hogan no sells and rips his shirt off, and now it's the faces who are on top. Fleur goes to the outside, and Hogan puts uh, a savage form hat on him. And Hogan, Hogan drills a blinded Fleur into the apron and gives him one right hand that Fleur sold three times for because he can't fucking see anything because of this hat. Yeah, this was absolutely brilliant. When it he's got was. that hat, when he got when he's got that hat on him, it reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer has to do an inspection, like a private inspection on the Quickie Mart. He's wearing this big hat with a camera in it. Yeah, and then when he starts staggering around with it's covering his eyes. It just reminds me, you know, when you're out on the town on a Saturday night and you see that one fucking drunken knobhead with a with a traffic cone on his head, <laughs> just stumbling around. <laughs> Rick Flair's got that energy here. Yeah, Rick's Rick's so much better here than he was in these um, in these previous six man tags that were yeah. just a fucking cluster of, of nothingness. I am not um, gonna lie, I rewound this. If I didn't rewind it once, I rewound it like ten times and was just fucking busting a gut. Yeah, uh, all I could think of was Ric Flair just stumbling out of a pub, fucking finding a traffic cop, putting it on his head, going "Woo!" (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and the way that he's fucking sort of he's selling these punches is the way that he'd sway after fucking 20 tequila slammers <laughs> oh man it's i gotta get a gif of that him just getting punched by hogan once but selling oh, three yeah. times Please so do. good Please um, fucking do oh man i'm actually fucking crying right now it's will... so much fun it just it is just it's just brilliant i don't, I don't even think it's meant to be advertently funny I think it's just, I think it's accidentally funny. Rick Fleur, he tends to have these things, like these moments where it's meant to be dead serious, but it's Rick fucking Fleur and it's just so not. Yeah. Oh, God. It's, it reminds me, like, uh, when he's hitting himself in the face. Uh, I think he was either facing Randy Orton or Triple H. He was challenging one of the other into a cage match and he's just shouting, I want that SOP in a cage. In a cage, in a cage, a cage, a cage, and he's fucking having a fit in the <laughs> ring, bashing himself in the head, and he busts himself open, and it's meant to be this really serious, red hot feud, but it just descends into fucking anarchy because of this one promo, and it is, it's the fucking best, and I can't find it anywhere. Oh man! If I can remember the actual date of the episode of Raw where he does this, I will find it, record it, and put it on Twitter, but. You know, so if anybody out there knows, please let me know. But yeah, it. I'm pretty sure he's facing Triple H. Right. Another gold, another gold nugget from uh, from Ric Flair. Just yeah. harking back to the to the uh, to the to the one in the last episode of the of the podcast of the episode before, where he's gone to the commentary the commentary desk and put the headset on, and he's going, "Hello, hello." <laughs> <laughs> And then the headset just falls <laughs> apart in his hands. <laughs> Man, he, he's I not. I forgot about that. Oh my god! He's inadvertently funny. I don't even think it's meant to be funny. He's a nightmare because how he's supposed to advance a serious storyline when he's doing stuff like this? God, this poor guy has been married and divorced so many, so many times. Can you imagine? Imagine the massive argument that led to their divorce. All I can imagine is their wife, it, well, his wife's just fucking laughing at him. <laughs> oh, man. And then that's it. He's like, I want a divorce. A divorce. A divorce. A divorce. <laughs> Woo! A divorce. <laughs> fucking hell. I'm, I'm going higher and higher pitch because I've just laughed that so, so fucking hard. Oh. I'm still getting my breath. Man. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> God bless Ric Flair. God bless him. Oh. Uh, we really don't want to talk about the rest of this match. No, I, I, I could spend the whole podcast talking about Ric Flair, to be fair. And I, I have a video that I need to show you as well. Uh, it's not of Ric Flair. It's of a cartoon Ric Flair. And it's now's the best time ever to show it you. Uh, I think I'm going to put little bits of it on, um, on social media platforms as well while we're promoting this. Uh, but, oh please! But it is—it's fucking ace. It's from years and years ago. It's from when, uh, fuck me, Barack Obama wasn't even in office at this point. Um, it was just before the election of Barack Obama, and obviously he'd appeared on WWE Raw, and he, um, he was calling himself Barack instead of The Rock. Oh fuck! Um, but yeah, it's a whole Ric Flair segment thing. It's fucking brilliant. You need to see it. It's awesome. Really good. But. For now, we'll we'll concentrate on Ric Flair's current match in this Nitro uh, episode, and we're going to skip on a little bit because it's a bit of brawling, so we go to a split screen, which never worked well for Nitro here. 
it's just no. fucking really hard to watch. Um, Hogan is and choking. to be honest with you, most of this match is just the same spots that we've seen over and over and over in previous incarnations of this match. Well, yeah, Hogan's there, you know? isn't it? So <laughs> yeah, the ro- the rotation of people as well. You're gonna end up getting very samey samey. Yeah. Um, Hogan's choking Sullivan on the outside with a camera cable as the fucking referee counts to five as if he's going to give him a chance to break it before a disqualification <laughs> for fuck's sake <laughs> he's choking him with a fucking camera cable Rev <laughs> you don't count to five you fucking well, DQ you know, the cunt Daniel Bryan did that in WWE and got fired for it for <laughs> and it wasn't even a cable it was a tie Oh, come on Randy Anderson get your fucking Get your fucking house in order. Uh, this is just all over the place. As I said, it's hard to watch uh, in split screen, especially. Flair sends Hogan out over the top rope. Uh, I like so for with the hair and the tights as they normally do, and I don't think I've ever seen Hogan before or after this moment go over the top rope like that. Um, Flair gets a figure four on Macho Man. Hogan gets a figure four on Kevin Sullivan. At the same time, uh, Macho reverses. Sullivan does something to make the referee just fucking fall over. <laughs> and he just sort of gets back up again, confused. And then Fleur gets out of the figure four with Macho, gets up, just shoves the referee, who sells it, gets up, and shoves <laughs> shoves Rick Fleur back. <laughs> See, this is what I love about wrestling, is when a ref actually decides, that's it, I've had enough, and... Referee, uh, when the wrestler gets in the face and pushes them, they push them back. Earl Hebner used to do this a lot in WWE with Triple H, yeah, and it was gold every single time. Mm. Yeah, um, Sullivan and Macho are brawling out on the outside of the ring now. Uh, Hogan and Flair are in the ring. The referee blocks a right hand from Hogan whilst they're pumming, uh, fighting in the corner. Flair starts to strut for no fucking reason after Hogan starts flexing his muscles. Uh, it's getting weirder and weirder as we go on. And we're apparently just going to stick with it as the the commentators say that even if Nitro goes over the one hour allotted time slot, we're going to stick with it. Uh, Woman woman gives Fleur a shoe. (sighs) Surprise, surprise. And it's back in Hogan's face. But Hogan presses Fleur off for the pinfall. Sorry, for the uh, resulting pinfall to Hulk up again. Orin is out this time from the back. Uh, There's a big boot from Hogan. On Fleur, Arn grabs a leg as he bounces off the rope for the leg drop, but and then Arn runs off being chased by Hulk Hogan. And would you effing believe it? It's fucking Brian Pillman. That's not what I was going to say. I was going to say the blue plastic chair. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Brian Pillman is out. He's climbed through the fucking crowd here, and the plastic chair has made a comeback also. Pillman looks legitimately like he's fighting Macho Man here, and Macho is legitimately looking like he's fighting Pillman, while the rest are keeping the gimmicky fighting going. Fucking Hogan goes over to Pillman and tries to rake his eyes, which Pillman fucking no-sells. Macho and Pillman end up scrapping in the ring. Macho grabs hold of Pillman's shirt while he's getting out of the ring, rips his fucking shirt. This looks fucking like as real as you can get in wrestling. This is proper work shoot. Um, while the rest of them are just fucking pulling the punches, uh, but these two, f- like fuck me, just in this little bit made me think, holy fuck, I want to see them two at uncensored. Let's fucking do it. Uh, and then two big bastards come out, like one, uh, one is Bane from Batman and Robin, though Batman and Robin hadn't actually come out yet. That would be out in nineteen ninety seven. 
um, the film. The other oh. one is constantly flexing his boobies. We stir down. <laughs> Why do I write like that? Honestly, I need to grow up. There's a stir down with these two and a few of the Dungeon of Doom and the Four Horsemen in the ring with Hogan's team, which is obviously just Hogan and, and fucking uh, Macho. I think Booty's come down at this point as well. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but who gives a fuck? No, he's, he's so missable. Hogan and Court beat it out of the ring because they are way outnumbered. Hart is in the ring, excited. He's just like a fucking kid at Christmas that's just got a fucking bike. Flair on the mic says, do something about it to Hogan whilst he just lies down on the mat. Uh, Shivani bravely enters the ring with these two as well as the heels. And Hart has to keep reminding the big men where the camera is and to keep flexing to make it look good on TV. Sullivan says on the mic that they are called, quote, Zed Gangster and, quote, The Final Solution. Yes. This was a fucking good idea, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But... I've heard of it. I've <laughs> never seen the guy before. You wouldn't uh, know. Uh, you wouldn't know who was who. So you wouldn't no. know who The Final Solution was and you wouldn't know who Zed Gangster was unless you know who Zeus is. From the WWF film No Holds Barred, I did a bit of research, and that's when I found out that the the, the big black guy is Zeus. Yeah, I've heard of Zeus. I've never seen him before. Jesus Christ! You look at it in his face. He actually is a legit scary guy. Four hundred percent. The other guy, though, I mean, we are talking. Obviously, ultimate solution is what they go with. Yeah. So, so I just keep calling him the other guy. Uh, the ultimate solution. He is just over a year away from his death, and it shows. He's huge, but he looks so unhealthy. Mm. He looks like he could have a heart attack and just die in the ring right there. He is. You, you can tell with a guy like their actual frame, their actual bone structure, whether they're actually in shape or they're just out of shape and just big, and or they're just carrying way too much mass. Yeah. And he, you, he is carrying way, way, way too much mass for somebody of his bone structure. It's, it's honestly, it was quite sad to see. After, after looking it up and finding out, you know, he died in August the following year, it is pretty sad to see. Because immediately when I looked at him, I'm like, "Yeah, he's dead." That's the first thought I. That was the first thing that entered my head. He's dead. I see. Yeah, and sorry to be bleak about it, but yeah, it's. But fucking, hell, I wouldn't mess with him. No, no, he was uh, legitimately a fucking big guy. Um, I didn't actually know that he died the following year, uh, but I did know that he was he was in quite a, quite a few films, for what I remember. Bulletproof with Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler. Obviously, like I said, Bane in Batman and Robin. Apparently, he was in No Holds Barred as well. He was also in Walker, Texas Texas Ranger with Chuck Norris, a.k.a. Andrea Pirlo. But yeah, a bit of a shame, actually, that, as you said, that he, he passed away uh, the year after. But yeah, in his face, when he was in the ring, you could kind of... I don't know. He, 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 he kind of looked lethargic just, just from walking to the ring. Yeah. And tensing. Uh, it's a shame, but yeah, uh, he's he's not going to be here long. Um, 
yeah, the 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 idea of the final solution was a really fucking stupid idea as well. Um, I actually wonder if Alex Wright said anything about that when they got back. <laughs> but according to Wikipedia, plenty of Jewish groups did say something about it, and as you said, they ultimately changed it to the ultimate solution for uncensored. Arn cuts a much better promo than anyone else here, uh, but then Fleur says, it, quote, in closing, when we put you and Hogan in the hospital, Macho, I'll bring Elizabeth to see you after. She rides Space Mountain all night long. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Man, Flair is, yeah. He might be a, a comedian, but he fucking knows how to cut a fucking really close to the bone promo as well. Yeah. It, it, that that was my only takeaway from this because it just seemed to be a little bit of okay now you talk now you talk now I talk and a lot of the verbiage just got lost in the shuffle yeah but yeah that was a very 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 close to the bone line it was but um, it it just adds to it just adds to Rick Flair yeah I can safely say that Flair and Orin are cutting way better promos than Macho and Hogan are. I don't know what Scott Macho and Hogan jacked up, and the thing about Flair and Arn is that they don't repeat each other either. Whereas Hogan's always saying Macho's lines, yeah. so I'm enjoying Arn and Flair more than I am Macho and Hogan, which goes without saying, really. Even though it is Macho on one side, Hogan just lets the team down when it comes to promos. We quickly go back to the comms, and Heenan is pretty excited to say that it's only one more week of Hulkamania because this lot are going to take care of business. As we go off the air, slightly overran, but not as overran as some of the other Nitros that we've covered on the Nitrogen podcast in the archives. Woo! Rating of 3.6 versus Rolls 2.9. All in all, what would you say? Very poor show. There was one really good match on it. That was it. Mm. And it's a shame because you had a very hot start and then you went straight into the the Steiners, Nasty Boys, uh, sorry, the Steiners and Public Enemy, Enemy match. And then it just went downhill after that. Yeah. Yeah, a bit of a shame. Uh, a lot going on. A lot to take in. It's kind of, it's one of them nitros you kind of have to watch twice. Even though it wasn't that good, you have to watch it twice to make sure that you've not like missed anything. And yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else to say. These two, these two big brutes are in to help end Hulkamania, which we all fucking know is not going to happen. And it's a very good prelude to the clusterfuck that will be the Doomsday Cage match at Uncensored, which we are about to cover uh, as a watch along, which you can join us for in a moment. But I will detail the raw results that came from the opposing raw, which got a two point nine. With David Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, defeating Jake Roberts via a cutout. Gold Dust wow, defeating. What a matchup. Oh, yeah. It's just a the shame British of a Bulldog, Yeah. But fucking hell. I, I, you know, when you hear two guys and you think, you know, you won't put them in the ring together. But then when you hear that they've actually been into a match, in a match together, you're like, wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah. That's the definition of that. Yeah. Um, it was it was given just under five minutes as well, so it's not just sort of it's not one of them, you know, quickly in quickly out sort of matches. There must have been something going on here because there was a count out as well. So unfortunately, yeah. I have no details, just the results. Uh, Gold Dust defeated Fatu. Um, 
Diesel defeated Barry Horowitz in, in two minutes and Bret Hart defeated Tatanka. And it's worth noting that Kevin Nash, uh, Diesel, wiped out The Undertaker, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels the previous night at a house show in Madison Square Garden, even though he gave his notice that he was jumping to WCW last week. <laughs> kind of odd having you trump three of the main players in the WWF at this point even though you know the guy's going to be leaving in a couple of weeks to join the opposition team. <laughs> yeah, it just sounds like a very vain attempt to keep him. Mm-hmm. Like, if you stay here, you'll get to uh, beat The Undertaker and Bret Hart, you know. Yeah, it's not going to work, is it? Yeah, and I know that... Uh, is it... I think it's Bruce Pritchard that says that Kevin Nash is the... What is he, the lowest drawing WWF champion? Or or is it, uh, have I got the wrong name? I've got the wrong person saying that thing. I know somebody says it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's co- it's common knowledge that somebody says it and it seems to be widely popularised as, as being factual as well. But I think it's harsh from Kevin Nash's point of view that he's the lowest drawing WWF champion, especially yeah, d- at a point where, you know, WCW's on the rise and... WWF programming is not really up to scratch. You can't put all this fucking blame on Kevin Nash, but hey ho. I can understand why they wanted to keep him round. I can understand, as you said, trying to entice him to stay. I can understand it. So, to go into Uncensored, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the results up until the main event, and then we're going to go 3 2 1 play, and we'll watch that along with the sound off so that you guys don't get confused. And we'll have a little bit of fun with it. So, the apparent plan a few weeks before the pay-per-view, according to Dave Meltzer, I believe, this has come from, was that the Doomsday Cage was going to be Hulk Hogan versus Kevin Sullivan, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson and Loch Ness. And then it was going to be a street fight with Lex Luger and Sting versus the Road Warriors, which we, we kind of knew in, in they'd been promoting that, hadn't they, for a couple of weeks, and they decided to U-turn and give Lex Luger this coward ice sort of gimmick type thing which to be fair is, is much better um, it was supposed to be Colonel Robert Parker versus Sherry Martell but obviously Sherry Martell as detailed in the last episode was fired by WCW for turning up um, tipsy and unable to perform Johnny B. Bad was supposed to face you guessed it Diamond Dallas Page <laughs> wow what a surprise <laughs> he's not even with the company anymore and we still have to read this <laughs> Fucking and, hell. Uh, apparently, the other thing that was meant to happen was Randy Savage was supposed to face off against Brian Pillman. I don't know how much credence there is to this. Uh, but obviously, with the previous Nitro, Savage has been added to the cage match the team with Hogan, and they've obviously thrown a load more people in the cage as well. So I believe it was then supposed to be Pillman in the cage on Kevin Sullivan's team, but then that didn't make any sense because Pillman work shooted his way out of a contract and out of employment by saying, I respect you, Bookerman, on the previous pay-per-view. So having Pillman with Sullivan makes zero sense. So obviously here, Pillman and WCW have decided, well, we can't fucking do that. Um, according to some sources, Pillman had actually had throat surgery I believe it was after this Nitro. And while WCW expected him to actually be back for the pay-per-view, Pillman felt it was too soon, so he informed WCW that he would not be showing up to the pay-per-view. 
Bischoff does say on the next Nitro episode that Pillman phoned up at the 11th hour. So, like, literally the hour before the pay-per-view was about to start, saying that he wasn't going to make it. Uh, Pillman's also in the uh, wrestling news here because he has an issue with ECW going on as well. Pillman expected ECW to pay him for creating and producing the vignettes that he'd been doing on ECW or had been shown on ECW. However, Heyman thought that Pillman was going to be paying for them and the planned Brian Pillman versus Shane Douglas match was now not going to happen. Whew, bloody hell. <laughs> He's getting around this boy, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, so the uncensored results here without the details now. Um, a main event match, which is... Uh, yeah, uh, it was, a, was it Tuesday. Was it Tuesday night main event? I think it was. That they used to have. Something like that. Uh, Mr. JL, so it's basically a dark taping, except they, they actually show these on, on another TV show. Mr. JL defeated Dean Malenko. Uh, Jim Duggan defeated Big Bubba Rogers. Dick Slater with Colonel Robert Parker defeated Alex Wright in 1 minute 55. Go on, fucking suck a dick, dick. Uh, the Steiner, <laughs> Steiner Brothers fought the Nasty Boys to a no contest. I'm going to presume Hawk and Animal came out. Um, and then into the actual results. Conan, who is the United States and Mexican champion, defeated Eddie Guerrero to retain the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. It was given nearly 20 minutes. The Belfast wow. Bruiser defeated Lloyd Stephen Regal by disqualification. That was given 18 minutes. Uh, Colonel Robert Parker defeated Medusa in 3 minutes and 47. The, okay. The, yeah. The Booty Man defeated Diamond Dallas Page Oh, in, fuck off. In 16 minutes. I'm fucking glad we don't have to watch that. Um, oh, the giant... Jesus Christ. Could you imagine a 16 minutes of uh, the Booty Man no. uh, doing no. very little, let's just say, because that's that that's his, that's his offence, very little. Pretty much. Um, it's finished just a high knee. Interesting also to see how Wolf, uh, we obviously know that DDP sticks around in WCW, how they're gonna, <laughs> how they're gonna storyline their way out of this one because DDP is now out of contract with WCW because he put his career on the line in this match. Um, the Giant with Jimmy Hart defeated Loch Ness in two minutes and thirty four seconds. I bet that were a fucking barn burner. Yeah, and, five star classic. Yeah, Sting and Booker T defeated the Road Warriors in a Chicago town street fight, which lasted nearly half an hour, and having seen it. I can safely say that nobody really needs to see it, <laughs> even though it made itself onto a best of uncensored video that Time Warner or Warner Brothers uh, actually put out. So there you go. They're the uncensored results. And what we're going to do now is Brian is going to, in his best German accent, give you a 3 2 1 play. And in German as well, I hope. Eins, zwei, drei. And I dropped my tablet. <laughs> <laughs> I pressed play, but I dropped my tablet. Oh, dear. Right. Shall we try again? We might have to because... Oh, no, no, no. I'm playing. Oh, shit. I paused it. Oh, my God. This is... Oh, yeah. It's, it's half an hour. Yeah, it's going to be on for half an hour. Yeah, we've got Bruce Buffer in the ring. Bruce? Nope, sorry. Michael Buffer. Do you want to skip to when the match starts? Uh, no, we'll just continue. Okay, fair enough. 
Are you ready? Uh, no. WCW fans, are you ready? No, I've already said Michael. No, I'm not ready. Oh, I've done it again. Tupelo, Mississippi. Oh my god, look at that fucking cage. Jesus fucking Christ. So, one, two, three. Lots of fireworks. TNT are paying for this, so why the fuck not? Um, hurt, erected. Um, obviously, we've got scaffolding there as well, which I'm sure Jim Cornette's having nightmares about. There's actually steps on the scaffolding as well. I've got to presume that's for the for the cameramen. Yeah, I, I should hope so. Yeah, this 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 wasn't a good idea in 1996, and it wasn't a good idea in 2000 either. Huh. What what was it that I called this? Uh, we had a text exchange the other day. What did I call it? The... You called it the wedding cake cage match. Oh, the four-tier wedding cage match. Yeah. That's what I it. <laughs> and to be honest, mate, if um. If me and Beth get married and you decide that you want to make us a wedding cake like that, I'm perfectly fine with it. Ric Flair out now. There is no entrance way. He's just come from under the <laughs> under the scaffold. <laughs> it's like it's like a backyard show that's being fucking done in a fucking arena. Yeah, we have scaffolding as a fucking entrance way. Oh right. Oh, so everybody's here. oh Lex Luger's here. Um, okay, the man that didn't want to face the road warriors Arn Anderson's ear fully clothed Kevin Sullivan's ear falling over oh fucking hell they're actually going up so what I think is going to happen here is there's going to be different people in different levels of the cages yeah. that's, um, that, that's quite interesting in theory mm. I think I've just seen Meng mentioned yeah woman leading the way elizabeth just behind her rick flair third so why are the girls going up there ladies and gentlemen zed gangster or z gangster as it's probably going to be the gangster z gangster yeah that makes sense yeah that's what i said you said z gangster <laughs> Oh, man. Randy Anderson is going to have a fucking field day. Good luck fucking climbing all over them fucking cages. Did Orn leave his wrestling gear at home? I think he's just looking for the ultimate protection here. Yeah, probably. Lots of bumping. Lex is really struggling. Kevin well, Sullivan mean, is Isn't looking. it like a year out when Orn retires? Yes, ninety. Yeah. yeah, he does. He does. Yeah, I imagine he's probably pretty beat up by this point. Yeah, Does so, that makes sense. Well, yeah. I mean, you you look at the long storied history of Iron Anderson, and obviously he'd been in the WWF just prior to this as well, hadn't he? Um, with t- t- oh, were it Tully? No, not uh, who were he? Oh fuck, I can't remember. It weren't Tully. I think it were another Anderson, weren't it? 
I, I don't know. I don't think it were Ollie Anderson. I can't remember. Hulk Hogan here. Um, right. Hulk Hogan's top actually looks like more like a. No, it uh, was Tully Blanchard. All right, there you go. Yeah, uh, they were known as the Brainbusters. Yeah, they were. Which, yeah. by the way, I've got to mention this whilst we're talking about the Brainbusters. Uh, there was one time, and this image has been shared around on the internet a fair bit, where the 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 name card actually spelt it wrong, and they were once called the Brian Busters as a result. Oh yeah, I have seen that a few times. Yeah, in yeah. fact, I think I've seen it because of you. Yes. Yeah. Um, that is epic. Yeah. Considering that I had many Christmas cards, and I still get like get like the old Christmas card, a birthday card, with the name Brain in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I did have a little chuckle when I saw that, even though at the same time I was like, okay, the last two people on the planet I really want to bump into is Arn and Tully. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hi, um... Brian, <laughs> Brainbuster. <laughs> or a brain buster. Yeah. Um, Beth's drummer, Sam, who uh, has, as you may notice, we've got a new theme. Um, that is uh, Sam from Beth Blade and the Beautiful Disasters doing a drum, just doing his own fucking thing over the Nitro theme, and I fucking love it. It's ace. Thank you very much for that, Sam. Um, oh, Arn Anderson's gone for a kick. Uh, Hulk Hogan has raked his eyes. Okay, fair enough. So Sam's last name is Brain. Uh, and when Beth was first telling me his, his second name, I was like, nah, it can't be Brain. Nobody has the second name. Bra- yeah, it is. His second name is actually Brain. I thought it was like Sam Bryan. No, it wasn't. It's Sam Brain. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it kind of reminds me of uh, Ricky, uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. His surname is he's actually called Richard Blood. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he was, if he ever became a heel, he'd have to use his real name. Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh we've gone to cam. split screen for fuck's sake. Yeah, split screen. I call it twin cam. Yeah, <laughs> fucking horrible. Well, so Hogan and Macho obviously have to go through each level of this cage. These cages have been put up at the entrance way. The ring is actually still up. The crowd are around the ring, but this is in the entranceway, and everybody's just looking up at this. Um, I hope the guys in the cheap seats right at the fucking back of the arena have brought the binoculars. So, Macho and Hogan have got to face off against Arn and Ric Flair to start off with. And let's just say they ain't faring well. There's a big steel girder. <laughs> I'm going to call Colum. it a girder. <laughs> Macho's just gone straight into it. But now Macho's going after Arn Anderson, leaving Ric Flair alone. Ric Flair is now being drilled into the same fucking girder or whatever column by Hulk Hogan, being wrapped around it. Uh, wow, okay. Yeah, Hogan's lost his bandana as well. But he's still wearing his boob tube. So we can imagine that he's going to get busted open at somewhere in this match. I, I, I will give Hogan his due. Because of his uh, his skullet, when he, he, he tends to blade on the top of his head. And he always blades really well. He bleeds really well. Sometimes, 
way too well. SummerSlam 2005, need I say more? Mm. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I have. Well, it's iconic. Yeah. Oh, the boob tube's been ripped off now. And here we go. He's going after him. Oh, a chop makes Hogan hulk up a little bit more. Matt Shaw is using Hogan's bandana as... Oh, no, it's his boob tube. Sorry. As a choking device on Arn Anderson. Randy Anderson is like... A choking device. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Literal following object. Choking device. Uh, yeah, these are T-shirts. <laughs> oh! Oh, man, the other T-shirt idea. Fuck me. I, I, seeing, as, seeing as there's not really much happening here... Uh, have you seen the new What's It's advert? Um, no, I haven't. Oh, man. I think okay. I've seen the ending of it, and that's about it. With Gary Lineker? Yeah, I saw Gary Lineker sat in the chair. That's it. That's all I've seen of it. So it's also... It's also... Oh, fuck me. Scratch Zarephus, the, the, the Rick Fleur theme, in the background while people are eating What's It's. Right. I don't cool. want to call them What's It's. I want to call them Woo's It's. So Fantastic. basically, we're going to have a blue shirt with the What's It's logo on it, except there's going to be more O's. It's going to be fucking epic. And have I'm going to send one to Gary Lineker. Have you tried the giant What's It's? That's what it's advertising. Yeah, have you tried them? No. Do so. They're fantastic. <laughs> they are really fucking tasty. I'm a, I'm and I know, fucking... I know, I know. It's a very cliched thing about you know uh, wrestling fans fucking covered in Cheeto dust and all that shit. But <laughs> you know, what's it? So the English equivalent to Cheetos, they are fucking beautiful. I mate, I don't care. I'm, I'm a fucking slut for what's it? I am honestly. I, I think I've told you before. I go for the happy shopper ones because they're two for a pound, like big bags. Yeah. Well, I'll, we start I'll, uh, I'll devour them both. Yeah, well, we we started getting the giant watsits in at work about I don't know about seven or eight months ago. They were limited edition at the time, and I think for the first two or three months, all I had for lunch was uh, well, I used to get me all normal lunch, but I used to get a bag of giant watsits every oh. fucking lunch break at work. I became I became hooked on them. There, yeah, great There's snack. Nothing- there's nothing going on in this match, by the way. We've got stereo figure fours. Yeah, Arn Anderson yeah, no. giving a figure four. I've never seen Arn Anderson give a figure four before. No. On to Hulk be honest Hogan. with you, I really wouldn't want to get a figure four from Arn. They're going to reverse it at the same time as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. See, I've got I've got the captions on, and it's a bit distracting that. The black, the black bar where the captions are underneath it. In another black bar, it says Doomsday Cage Match. I mean, do we yeah. really need that there? Come on. Oh, we're away. Oh, what's that? So Rick just... It was like a spoon. Yeah, I'm sure it was a spoon, mate. I'm sure they'd use a spoon as a weapon. Of all the fucking kitchen utensils, we'll use a spoon. The one that'll do the least damage. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> maybe maybe that's a silver spoon that Rick Flair was born with in his mouth. Oh, that's oh, that is not nice. That's what he said in a promo, mate. 
he was he was fucking he was he was an orphan. He was he was. Oh a yeah, child. I know, I know, I know. I'm talking kayfabe here. Oh right, okay. He said he said in in a promo that he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Oh. Or was it a golden spoon? One or the other. I don't know. Yeah, it, I think it was uh, like NWA time, like NWA World Championship Wrestling. Oh, so like the I remember them promos. Yeah, in yeah, the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Women used to fucking love him there as well. Yeah, there always used to be women screaming over his promos. Okay. Um, chain. So Hogan's got a chain around his hand. He's made it. He's made it to level two. <laughs> uh, Flair and Orn are still in level one, and uh, so now Hogan and Macho have got to take care of Kevin Sullivan, Lex Luger, Barbarian, and Meng. Uh. Yeah, Hogan has a chain around his hand. Kevin Sullivan has a fork or something, but he's missed him with it. Hogan's ducked. Now Lex has the chain, and now we're back to split screen, so it's going to be hard work. Oh, okay, Barbarian has just clotheslined Meng, and now Macho's taking care of my Barbarian. I wouldn't like to be anybody next to Meng if that happened in real life. I just don't see the point in the referee in this. No, I don't either. There's no structure to this. There's no scripting. There's just everybody just fucking going here for half an hour and just fight each other. And yeah, because mine started to buffer. Okay, uh, I'm dead on two twenty-four. Play. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Smith is hitting Hogan with... Uh, wait, wait, Hogan, it were Savage, sorry. With, Kevin Smith. Yeah, I, that, that's that's <laughs> just canon now. That's just gay, baby. It's Kevin Smith. Oh, so so Arn's gonna drop down here. Although he's he's like the kid that <laughs> just the wall's too high. I don't want to jump that far. <laughs> <laughs> His legs are dangling through the fucking the gap as well. It's, this is really comical. What's he doing? Oh, Meng's helping him down now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, the oh, heels. Seriously. I thought I thought he was gonna like drop onto Meng's shoulders. That, okay, daddy's got you. Oh, okay, that's actually worked out pretty well. So basically, they've locked the fucking door. So whilst Barbarian and Menger helping Arn get down, somebody's locked the door. Obviously, either Macho or Hogan have locked the door. So they've essentially eliminated Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Meng, and Barbarian. And now all they have to face is Kevin Smith, <laughs> who is almost, he's about to die now. Oh, fucking hell. This is scary. This ain't scary. We want rid of him. Let it happen. Hogan is is trying to beat the fucking shit off... Well, just beat the shit out of Kevin Sullivan so that he'll fall off this uh, scaffolding, which I'm going to estimate it's probably about 20 foot high. And Kevin Sullivan's only like 3 foot 6, so he's going to be a splat. (laughs) Oh, he's got the upper hand. 
We're going down the stairs, and now Hogan is going to be pushed over the scaffolding by Kevin Sullivan. What's he doing? Oh, oh man, this is fucking God. awful. Oh, couple of kicks to Kevin Sullivan's uh, midsection. Macho Man's wandering around the second level himself, trying to punch Thin Air. Is there nobody there for him to fight? Rather than the other cage. The screaming. So the locked cage. Macho's in a cage by himself now, even though there's other people for him to be fighting with, like Lex Luger, for example. Lex Luger is nowhere to be seen. Oh, oh there, there he is. is. <laughs> he's Speaking come to help Kevin Sullivan Macho's out and he's got Kevin Sullivan now Lex Luger is all over um, oh okay Kevin Sullivan's just been sent into Lex Luger Kevin Sullivan's now going after Hulk Hogan down to the original ring so there's two rings a cage Hulk Hogan has literally just assaulted Michael Buffer grabbed the microphone and jabbed Kevin Sullivan with him. he's brought the microphone <laughs> Rick Flair's going to come down and go, hello, hello, for his promo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're in the Not ring now. The production cost was so fucking high for WCW. Just to keep breaking the headsets and mics. <laughs> Big boot from Hulk Hogan in the middle of the ring. Kevin Sullivan. Oh, the, the stomp on the face. The eye, Rick, stomp thing. Macho's choking Lex Luger out at the entrance way. So Hogan's given a big boot and he's got Kevin Sullivan back up and he's just... His clothes lining him in the corner. Lex back on top of Macho Man. We some... apologise if this commentary is a bit of a clusterfuck because this match is a bit of a clusterfuck. It's a it's a it's a lot of a clusterfuck. Yeah, but I was we're out of the cage. Like... We're out of the cage. Hogan's um... deciding. Okay, let's go back. He's just thrown uh, Sullivan into the cage. Over the fucking pyrotechnic with it, uh, bit at the bottom. Yeah. Like, how did nobody trip over that? Hogan stalking Lex Luger. Goes for a clothesline. Fair play to Lex there. I mean, that was very last second. He had to sell something. Yeah. Two clotheslines. Macho's now going after Kevin Sullivan. What's Macho going to do here? Oh, what's that? A rucksack. Wow, we are pulling out all the stops here. Fucking, for fuck's sake. Lex selling the rucksack like it was full of fucking bricks. Oh my God. (laughs) This is fucking awful. (laughs) Macho into the cage now from Kevin Sullivan just whipping him off. Meanwhile, Hogan. This is a backstage brawl. On the old uh, Smackdown games. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally that. Um, every time they go to a different section, I'm just waiting for a loading screen to come up. <laughs> yeah, just going on to the going on to the um onto the ramp and there's a little blue arrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh now Hogan's gonna take Lex Luger to the to the actual ring. Oh I've got back to split screen. Just fucking quit it, will you? All I can hear is like uh, the um in ring game music for SmackDown, like Kevin Sullivan is he's fucking ten men in it down to the ring now. 
Macho Man's coming after him with a plank of wood. What? I mean, why the fuck not? Oh! Fucking hell! The fucking camera woman didn't sell anything. She got hit by that. Kevin Sullivan's selling like a fucking trooper. The camera woman's just like, shit, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I just got hit by wood. Oh, wow. I mean, surely, you know you're in a wrestling event. You've got to fucking sell it, haven't you? Why are you split screening? You, you, You can basically get all four people in the fucking shot here. Right, here we go. Oh, Hulk Hogan's been hitting the old Linda Belayers. Macho's in the ring. All four are in the ring now. Um, Lex has got Macho the, Man. I was going to call him the Hulkazoids. Hulkazoids. <laughs> Hogan to the outside. Still selling the nut shot. Lex coming to the outside. Forcefully. What's up with Lex's hair here? I noticed this actually in the next Nitro, maybe the last Nitro actually. It's kind of feathered his hair out. It's looking even more like Bon Jovi esque. Yeah, it looks like he's. Oh, the chair! Oh, it's a green one. Oh. Oh, this. Oh, oh my God. Listen, Hulk. That's that's. I don't think that was one of them chairs that you're supposed to use in a wrestling match. You know what I mean? No. Hulk don't care. And and I mean even aesthetically, a green chair. It just doesn't yeah. look right to me. No, it's not a good not black. Not good. Maybe blue, you know, like like the ring blue, but yeah. military green. Ew, no thanks. Ugh! Big shot on the back of Macho there from Lex Luger. He's gonna go for another one. They're back to split screen again, and uh, Randy Anderson. For, no reason at all. He's lying down at the edge of the ring as they're <laughs> outside. What is with this guy? Like, if he's not climbing on the ropes, he's fucking lying in the ring. He, he's the one that were fucking falling over, the, like, in the last Nitro. What the fuck, man? Clove's line off the top of the guardrail was uh, Macho. Lex attempting to put Hogan's head into the apron. It's reversed by Hogan. And no doubt we're going to go to split screen. Yeah, we are. What a fucking shocker. But now they're coming back, so you don't need split screen again. Yeah, all four people are in the, the both screens. It just didn't look right. And the heels are down. The mega powers are simultaneously giving right hands. Well, to the pair of these every two. Every time I hear you say the mega power, when you said the mega powers like that, the first thing I heard was the mega powers explode. <laughs> and oh, here, come here we go. Z, Z gangster and the final slash ultimate solution. <laughs> I was calling them Bebop and Rocksteady. <laughs> so no, Z Z gangster. Salt is, and pepper. So, so <laughs> this, this is it. I'm just gonna give them new names. <laughs> That's fucking ace. Salt and pepper. 
That's such an easier way to describe him than Z Gangster and The Ultimate Solution. Because, oh, that is ace. I love it. They're bringing him back into the cage now. So, Hogan, they're in the bottom ring. So, they're in the second ring at the bottom of the cage at the entranceway. And The Ultimate Solution... Oh, oh Jesus Christ. So it's sickening how he looks. It really is. I'll tell, you what, are... I'll tell you what he reminds me of. You know the flood in Halo? Oh, yeah, I've got to be that... honest, I, I never played Halo. <laughs> right. Uh, any Halo fans, you'll understand this. Well, with a flood, uh, you usually get one that's like... Uh, it bubbles up, you hit it, and it will just land to the floor, bubble up and burst. And he reminds me just of that. Exactly oh. like that. Oh, it, it just looks grotesque. And it's so sad. So, Pepper... Uh, <laughs> oh, I call you has... And by, by the way, when I said salt and pepper, I don't mean the condiments. I mean salt and pepper, the rap duo. Yeah. Um... So Pepper would be Z Gangs. No. Yeah. No. No. See, I'm confused. No, Salt will be the ultimate solution. Yeah, so Pepper is Z Gangster, the one yeah. with Macho now. Uh, the, the guy with the wonky eye. Yeah. So, yeah, he's. I reckon like, he could. You know what? He could actually fix that eye if he wanted to. Could just push it. Sorry, gotta mm. get a pun in. Come on, that was terrible. Yeah, it was a little bit. Ugh. Ah, push it. Let's hope they don't start talking about sex. Oh, no. no. (laughs) So, Z-Gangster actually has, like, quite a bit of history in wrestling. He was in the WWF for quite a while after the film came out. Um, Got into a a long-standing feud with Hulk Hogan because, obviously, Hulk Hogan won in the film. So, Zeus, as he was known in the WWF, did say, I want to beat Hulk Hogan in real life. I want to face Hulk Hogan in real life, not in the films. Um, as you can see, <laughs> he's currently choking out Hulk Hogan. Um, once got... the feud was over, he got into a, he got into a feud with somebody else now and I can't think who it were. But he actually does have quite a bit of his, wrestling history his behind pants him. Have ripped. There's a slight tear in his buttocks. Oh, wow. Right right down its centre. So, like, yeah, please take it easy, Zeus. I don't want to see your ass, mate. Sorry, Z-Gangster. Sorry, Pepper. (laughs) Match up top. On the top rope. He's going to use the... No, he's not. He jumps onto the ultimate solution, who fortunately catches him because it looked like he was going to fucking drop him. Hogan... Smashes him from behind. We don't need two cameras. Just fucking stick to one, for fuck's sake. Oh. Oh, and Anderson's here. Oh, he's got his wrestling kit on. Okay. Oh, Rick Flair's here. So the locksmith finally arrived then, did he? And we're beating down Hulk Hogan and Macho here. Four on two. 
the ultimate solution is doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just stood in the corner, having an asthma attack. Matchall sent into the cage by Z Gangster and Arn Anderson. Big scoop and a slam on Hulk Hogan by the ultimate... And what? The what? The ultimate solution. I forgot his name then. Oh, fucking hell. Jim Hart's having a bloody fit on the outside. Uh, Do not go out your way to watch this match, guys. No, definitely not. Heenan just said it, it's looking it's not looking very good for the mega dummies. Yeah, nobody nobody really knows what to do here, do they? We just we're just hitting. We're just We're just not doing anything. We're just double teaming. So how the fuck do you win this match then? Yeah, that's one thing I was about to ask. I I don't know. How they win this match? Does it end? Oh look! It's, it's, I thought I thought match over going down to sniff it. I honestly did. Oh, <laughs> Powder all over the ring in the corner there. Um, fucking it's hell. the booty man. The booty man's in. What's he get? He's giving him frying pans. No, it's on no the way is he. It's on the he's giving him no, frying pans. In. They've got fucking frying pans. It's like bottom. <laughs> It's like watching Aid Edmondson and Rick Mail all over again. <laughs> oh, what a stiff shot that were. <laughs> Fucking right <laughs> boing onto Z Gangster. <laughs> Straight out of catering. That is fucking ace. That's probably the best thing that Booty Man's ever going to do in WCW. Fucking hell. Oh, wait, Lex Luger's here. So he's coming in now because Hogan and Macho have got the upper hand. He runs in, takes care of fucking hell. Hogan sold really well for Lex there. And he's going to town on fucking Macho, man. What's Lex got there? Oh, okay. It's a glove. So it's um it's a is it it's not a coal miner's glove, is it? No. Oh, Hang on a minute. So Lex was about to hit... So Fleur was holding Macho. Lex was going to hit Macho. Macho ducked. Lex apprehended himself and then decided to just hit Fleur anyway. Hogan and Macho decided that we're going to leave the ring. Macho realised somebody needs to pin somebody. Macho's run back in the ring, pinned Ric Fleur, and they've run back out of the ring again the cage and Macho and Hogan are going to win this one and apparently justice has been served according to the commentary team okay so Lex has turned on Fleur And they're just happy to let Lex leave. What the fuck was that? I don't know. Um, the ultimate solution does not look fucking good. He looks like he's just about to fucking pass out. Uh, unless he's just selling the 
powder or whatever. I don't know. Ric Flair's busted open. And he's stomping mad right now, apparently. Heenan's coat doesn't fit him. Tony Schiavone looks like he's getting married. And, well, yeah, that is that is it for the main event of uh, Uncensored. Um, okay, I'm glad we never have to watch that again. Oh, Jesus Christ, that was rough. That was fucking awful. The only highlight was when the booty man... Of all people, the fucking booty man come out with two frying pans. <laughs> that was it. That was the highlight of that match. I never thought we'd be... I never thought we'd be saying that. Um. So that was that. Yeah, that was that. I'm I'm literally getting my notes up, and we'll just fucking we we'll fly into this uh, into this next natural. <laughs> it's like you're getting into the shower because you need to wash the fucking <laughs> you need to wash the stench off. Uh, Heenan's left. Heenan's pissed off. Heenan's gutted that Hulkamania is still going. Okay, Nitro uh, number 29, March 25th, 1996, from Huntsville, Alabama. Um, And Bischoff is going to... Have you still got the the video on? No, I've stopped it. They've completely fucked up the credits. Right, okay. So they're just giving the first name and not the second name. So you've got stage manager, Woody, Gaffer, Pat, Carpenters, <laughs> Moses. Moses! Moses was never... <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> this is Steadicam, Tim, Cranecam, Rick. <laughs> Librarian, Breeze, Arena Booking, Gary... Gary. WCW offline, Ed. <laughs> oh god, right, okay. Um Oh fucking hell. So Executive producer Tony Schiavone. <laughs> yeah, he gets a surname. <laughs> Executive producer and senior vice president Eric Biskioff. Oh my god. What they actually got his name wrong? No, well, they put Bischoff. I just fucking said it. Oh, Eric Bischoff. For, for no reason. Oh, Huntsville, Alabama, March 25th, 1996. Bischoff starts the uh, starts this night show announcing that there's going to be three title matches tonight. The fucking night after a pay-per-view, there's going to be three title matches on a night show. Um, See, the tag titles, the US titles, and the world title are all going to be on the line. Now, and imagine... into a match we go. Right. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I'm Trey Bucking. Seriously, that cage match, well, sorry, that cage on top of a cage on top of a cage on top of a cage match. <laughs> Imagine f- four different title matches going on call currently, one in each one. That would have made fucking. more fucking sense than that close to foot that we just watched. Oof, yeah. Um, the at only... least there'd be a point to it. And the problem with that is, is that we'd have to see not one, not two, not three, but four fucking screens at once. You would, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. the only fucking downfall of that, but it would have made more sense than that clusterfuck. That was... 
yeah, let's just move on. Come on. The I, I think there's another downfall to it as well. Seeing Randy Anderson literally fall down because he has to jump from cage to cage to count pinfalls and shit. Fucking hell, he really have to put the work in. Yeah. No naps in this match, Randy. <laughs> Not only that, but the only Randy in the match, Randy Savage, is lying down next to a fucking pool of cocaine. <laughs> See, the the one thing that kind of got overshadowed is when Booty Man came out with the pans is the first thing you see is Hogan and Savage lying down in this powder and here comes fucking Ed Leslie but like, shit my cooking yeah. <laughs> oh man see it, just making her own storylines up see, here what he was actually doing though he was he didn't bring the frying, frying pans out for weapons, he just wanted to scoop it up and fuck off, like you know, yeah, you're on your own, yeah. lads. Or they, or they might have been weapons, and he was just fending off his cocaine. Uh, he was fending people off his cocaine, like, oh my god, <laughs> just Man, just scooping it brilliant. up and putting it down his trousers. <laughs> oh god. Fucking oh hell. right. Oh, so speaking of the Randy, uh, the Randy man, the Randy man. <laughs> Come on, you've got this, Mark. Come on. Oh, life to tip. Good. Speaking of the macho man, he's going to face off against Fit Finley, who's known in this timeline as Belfast Bruiser, but I ain't calling him that. No, I, um, it, it's just Finley for me. Yeah. <laughs> we were wondering uh, <laughs> while we were watching this last night if uh, Macho's attire was actually a tribute to Fit Finley because it was all green and white and very, very Irish. Yeah. Although they are, they are like fucking nine days late for fucking... Uh, oh, sorry, seven days late for uh, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, God. Fucking hell. An interesting matchup here, I thought. Uh, a main event star, again, going against one of the lower slash mid-carders. And again, it seems to be the macho man that's doing this. We've seen him against Alex Wright. We've seen him against, you know, Hugh Morris. And it's macho man again uh, going against these guys. Right, before we go into this match, there was a, a quite tasteless line in hindsight, uh, in retrospect, from Bobby Heenan. And I'm wondering if you've got any context to this at all. And the subtitles, they don't say what he says. Right. They're talking about um, Finlay breaking the face of Stephen Regal. And Heenan says, Regal's face right now looks worse than Princess Princess Di's car she smashed up. Now, she doesn't die as a result of a car crash until a year after this. Did she right, smash I, another car beforehand? I did not I did not hear that. I I I, I heard about Rio's face, obviously that's from from un- uncensored the night before, but yeah, no, I, I didn't hear that and I have absolutely fucking no idea. Yeah, I rewound it several times. I did all my re- I did all the research I could. Unfortunately, uh, Google's limitations only bring up the result, uh, the only result that it brings up is about Princess Diana dying in a car crash. It doesn't bring up any results that pertains to her having a car crash beforehand or smashing a car up 
yeah, it, it immediately I was just like, okay, that's a, that's that's really fucking pushing it, Bobby. Really, but we got to give him a pass because this was before the accident. But yeah, yeah, any context for that, I really yeah. do. The other thing is as well about Diana was that, I mean, she I don't even think she got divorced until she, well after, well after March. She got I think she got divorced later on in the year. So even even the relationship couldn't be a car crash, no. if you like. But yeah, that's a that's a weird one. Like Bobby Heenan foreshadowing people dying and shit. What the fuck? Jesus uh, Christ. Yeah, fucking hell. Any details? Fucking let us know about that one, but. That would be an interesting question to ask Keenan if he was still here. Good shot, good shout there, Brian. Because I didn't, no, I did not spot that at all. Um, but into into the match here, and uh, Macho sells the uh, the Finley uppercut greatly uh, a couple of times actually, like really fucking goes for it, spinning his head round and everything, um, <laughs> spinning his head round like it's The Exorcist or some shit. Oh Jesus um, Christ! Could you imagine? Randy Savage in The Exorcist playing the little girl. <laughs> Fucking hell. That is a very scary <laughs> thought, dude. His head spinning round and he's going, Oh, yeah! <laughs> We've been fantasy booking uncensored and now we're fantasy booking The Exorcist. <laughs> God. Fucking hell, it's been giddy. Uh, <laughs> well... He was in Spider-Man, to be fair to him. Oh, yeah, he was. What was he called? Yeah. Uh, I don't know what he's called, uh, Bus- but I hated uh, Spider-Man. Bussar McGraw. Something it like that. Been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a Spider-Man fan, so... No. I don't really know, but I, I, I do I do re- remember his name being Bussar. Yeah. But The one thing I do remember about that film is a, a joke that an indie, restu- uh, an indie wrestler once told me. Uh, one of one of British ones at PCW. He said, um, "What is it? the The most unrealistic thing about the Spider-Man film is the uh, the time it takes to erect the cage, or so um, something like that. <laughs> As any Hindu wrestler would know, it takes fucking hours, and in Spider-Man, it takes like four minutes. So <laughs> I found it funny because obviously Spider-Man's a bit unrealistic and blah blah blah. But yeah, but fucking typical. Um, it has to be a cage match." Yeah, it does. Uh, we haven't seen enough of that. And then you see Macho Man in Ready to Rumble, and that's a cage match as well. A three-tier cage match. Oh, you... fucking hell. Wedding cake cage. Uh, wedding wedding cage match. Oh. Um. So, yeah, the, the commentary team have been putting up, uh, putting over this uppercut, actually, uh, during Fitz's entrance, as you said, saying that Regal's got, like, a busted mouth and all that. Uh, but Macho manages to get the upper hand after those two uppercuts and the two go outside to brawl and Fit gets the advantage again. Uh, I haven't detailed much about it, to be honest, because, again, it's it's one of those Fit's a technical wrestler, Macho's a brawler, and they, they just do what they, what they know best. Um, Macho wins it with an elbow from the top after a good few minutes of taking punishment from a stiff-looking Fit Finlay. Um but yeah, that's that's essentially it. That's all I've written. I, I don't know if you want to add any more to that. Oh, it was an okay match. Uh, but yeah. It, it, it's standard for, for Savage, really. Just spends mm. a lot of the match on the back foot and then just wins it at the end. 
Yeah. Next up, we're going to see uh, Mean Gene Oakland at the entranceway, who's obviously got over his flu slash renegotiated his contract. And he introduces Ric Flair on his way to the ring like he's a face by saying, let's hear it for the nature boy, Ric Flair, when Ric Flair's supposed to be the fucking heel. He's just he a comes fucking out with... Flair, Mark, isn't he? Yeah, pretty much. He's just waiting for that mean bygod gene. Oh, yeah. But he's not going to get it because he's fucking heel. He's out with Liz and woman. Uh, woman strokes Gene's chin. <laughs> during this, during this, like the first half of this promo, that's all I noticed. Just, just woman stroking Gene's chin. Um, and Liz has loads of money in her hand. Fleur will face Giant tonight, apparently. And Gene asks how Fleur feels about Luger hitting his teammate, but he said it's because he wants to be where Fleur is and that he's on the list of people who cannot style and profile like the Nietzsche boy. It turns out the cash is actually macho man's money. Who knew that? Well, apparently Bischoff knew that. But there was absolutely no instigation that that was macho's money until Bischoff said it. How the fuck's he supposed to know? Bit silly. Um, Standard fare again for Ric Flair. It's the usual stuff, and... um, quite smooth for a promo yeah I, I did enjoy him singing I've got the whole world in my hands yeah <laughs> and then, whilst he's kind of holding both the females <laughs> in his hands and then and then telling Gene to stop looking at woman yeah <laughs> which Gene says I can't just help myself bitch <laughs> now this it, uh, it, this next match really frustrated tell, me you can tell with Go that on. promo that they really enjoy working with each other they both yeah. had a little bit of fun with it yeah, just yeah. a you know, stand like you say, standard fair for Fleur. That's standard fair awesome. for Fleur. But uh but yeah, just a, a fun little promo. Yeah. Quite wholesome. Beth said as well, um she said, uh, I wonder how I wonder how Fleur feels knowing that both of the women on either side have now passed away and I said, Jean's dead as well. <laughs> and hell. she's like, Fucking hell. How is it that them three have died and Rick Fleur's still alive? <laughs> <laughs> It's fucking true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, into this next match, which uh, frustrated the fucking hell out of me, and it's going to be Mr. JL getting a US title shot off Conan for no obvious reason whatsoever. <laughs> um, the first thing I've written is, please take this fucking title off this off Conan for crying out yeah. loud. Uh, but unfortunately, it's not going to be tonight because there's absolutely no way JL is being the US champion. No, and Conan looks fucking ridiculous here. Yeah, oh, I oh. said he looked like a Chavi Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I described him as Liberace in pilot goggles. <laughs> he just looks like a twat, doesn't he? Yeah, that, that's the best description. He looks like a twat. Uh. But... During the entrances, the best part of it is basically Heenan telling a fantastic joke, which is... Oh, yes! So, so, what, so what do you call a woman with $2 million? Divorced. Yes! <laughs> uh, um, Bischoff says that Brian Pillman called WCW at the 11th hour, as I detailed earlier on, to say he wants absolutely nothing to do with Sullivan and Co., and that the commentators were actually putting over the loose cannon gimmick again. So it looks like they believe that he's still part of WCW, but I think by this point, his contract might actually be expiring. So he may be that free agent that we were talking about. However, 
relationships look sour with ECW whilst Vince has already offered him a WWF contract. The crowd is flat for this match. There is absolutely no interest in it whatsoever. Everybody sits down, nobody chants, nobody claps, nobody does anything whatsoever. Um, to the point that even Bischoff stops talking about the match and starts saying that Savage is trying to get his hands on Flair now in the backstage area and security are keeping them apart with some wrestlers also involved. Into the match itself, trying to concentrate, these two aren't interacting with the fans at all. Uh, how are fans meant to care about a wrestler, a title, a match, when you don't use them? There's a nice full Nelson into an arm drag by JL, though. Quite impressive. Uh, a bit more playing around until there's a big fuck-off missile dropkick from the top rope by JL as well, which this is the first one we're actually going to get to rate. Yeah, it was a seven, but it actually caught Conan on his ear. Just completely yeah, yeah, yeah. missed his face. Yeah. I hope it hurt as well. Yeah, same here. Um, this just didn't flow as well as I expected no, it to, to be honest. No investment at all from, from, from any fan, from any... I mean, the wrestlers just... I don't, I don't know. Um, there's a couple of big moves, but just... This has nothing going for it. Conan wins, yada, yada, yada. Um, really disappointing. Really, really disappointing. The crowd didn't help, but they didn't help the crowd. No. So, what can you do? Next up, we're going to see uh, Disco Inferno out with a CD again. Uh, but we still haven't had this video yet. Eric Bischoff and Glenn Gilberti get in touch with us. Um, I'm just wondering if he can get his album. I, I don't know. No. Let's see, shall we? We'll tweet him. We'll see and we'll find out. Yeah, please do. Uh, Segway, I've also bought Eric Bisch re-bought Eric Bischoff's book because I'm going to have a reread of it oh, for... Oh, uh, can't you say Creates Cash? Yes. I managed to get a hardback version for like a fiver. So, uh, and I I've, I prefer hardbacks to paperbacks. It's just what, it's just my thing. Um, but yeah, for a fiver, I thought... And it's like, honestly... It's Mount Rushmore, a wrestling books for me. Really? It's yeah, it's it's fucking up there. It's really good, really really good. Um, not it's because it's not just a wrestling book. It goes into like detail of you know financials in WCW, and he explains so much more than. So wrestling books are usually just stories on the road, you know, family life, what's happening. Uh, Brett's book, you know. At a push, I'd probably still that on, have that on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling books as well, even though I've not finished it. I was two chapters away from finishing it, and then he fucked off back to WWE, which essentially, essentially shat on everything that he wrote in the book, because all he does is curse Vince all the way through it, and then he goes and fucking joins the WWE again. So I was just like, nope, not reading the rest of that. However, the whole thing, it, 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 <laughs> it's good. It's just. It's lost its context. That's the only thing that's wrong with it. Yeah. Um, I've heard good things about JR's new book, although he's quite the controversial uh, character at this moment in time, which we won't get into right now because I want to save that for one of our little segmented YouTube videos, which, um, yes, you can find us on YouTube. That's uh, going to be... It'll be a link on our Twitter because we're not actually allowed to have a, a customised URL yet. So look on our Twitter for our YouTube. We're going to be doing 
sort of covering like what's happening in wrestling today rather than WCW. So we, we, we're going to be talking about AEW, we're going to be talking about Impact, we're going to be talking about the WWE, and we're going to be talking about the things that we, we, we don't really appreciate as it pertains to current wrestling events. But we'll also be talking about the things that are good. And I'm hoping that Brian is going to go off on a tangent about Jim Ross and his... Um, Horniness. Almost. Yeah, <laughs> we'll call it that, yeah. He's become Jerry King... Uh, Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. That's it, basically. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Ha ha! <laughs> Puppies! Woohoo! So, anyway, uh, Booty's out next, so it's going to be Booty versus Disco Inferno. Booty, yahoo! And... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Mario. <laughs> um... <laughs> yeah, that was very Mario me. <laughs> it was. I did, I did note down here that Booty's actually looking in good shape as well. To be fair to him, yeah. he's looking fairly ripped, fairly tanned. Him and Hogan, obviously, you can tell him, mate, it's hanging out at the same places. Um, now let's have a dance-off. Okay, let's not. <laughs> Feels like we missed an opportunity to involve the fans again here uh, with a little bit of a dance-off just to start off the match, you know, because the pair of them like are kind of like dancers. You'd kind of go that direction. But apparently, no, that's not something we're going to think about creatively in WCW. Instead, it's straight into a wrestling Skipping all the wrestling moves because it's a lot of crap. Kimberly is out and throws a bouquet of flowers at the booty man. And then slaps his ass while he's in the ring. Something happened while I was typing that and booty won. Thanks mainly to Kimberly and her erect nipples. Booty snogs Kim- <laughs> Right, we're about to criticise JR at some point and then you go and say that. <laughs> I didn't even point it out. It was Beth. <laughs> she was like, wow, you can see her nipples. I'm like, well, she was in Playboy in 97, so I'm not fucking surprised. <laughs> but yeah, when the camera cuts back to her, she's got like full raging, like cold nipples. <laughs> and it's, un- it's like, it's like Rachel from Friends nipples. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just um, expect to do like, you know, come on, booty man. My nipples could cut glass here. <laughs> it clearly got Booty in the mood because he gets out of the ring and he just snogs Kim and uh, they walk to the back while Disco is nowhere to be found next up we're going to see Luger and Sting versus the American Males for the tag team titles looking forward to this one pants um, off got a lot of courage sorry that's, yeah, that's all I can thing. think of every time that's, the, that's literally what I brought to start off with pants off they've got lots of courage <laughs> Uh, Heenan mentions that Bagwell was brought in by Sting giving a little bit of context to the story uh, and that there's a lot of mutual respect there Uh, Luger is being a douche every time Sting turns around but then being all fan friendly when Sting is looking I enjoyed this so much (laughs) yes uh, I completely agree Sting goes and has a friendly word with the males as we go for a break all the while there was a close up of Marcus Bagwell he looks a hell of a lot like George Michael. Yes, he does. He, he, yeah. yeah, the hair, I've always the thought eyes, that, the goatee, everything. I've always thought that he he based himself off George George Michael because even in ninety nine two thousand when he, he he really thins his um thins his beard and his goatee down exactly like what George Michael did as well. 
uh, I think he's always I think he's always modelled himself off it because I think he's probably been told that quite a few times. Yeah, I, um, I can believe but that. Yeah, good shout. Good shout. We've got a quick start and two superb drop kicks to Lex Luger from Scotty Riggs. Scotty Riggs is getting up there as, as like a drop kick master now as well, isn't he? And I'm going to correct you here because they're not drop kicks. They are, are they drop salts. <laughs> nice. No, 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 no. I'm not even making a pun. Shelton Benjamin was very known for doing this move and it was coined uh, in WWE as the drop salt where you do a drop kick, but you do a backflip out of it. And that's exactly what Riggs is doing here. Right, yeah. I see. And both of them are chef's kiss. Fucking beautiful. Both a nine. Yeah. Both a nine. Lovely. Excellent. Uh, obviously, at this point, Shelton Benjamin was still in fucking nappies. So <laughs> I don't think we've got a name for it apart from a drop kick. But uh, the detail that you've given is Bob on. Uh, yeah, it, it, they, they were really, really nice. Riggs has got, got a lot of ability. Luger easily frustrated takes it out on Buff Bagwell who in turn pulls him out to the floor to brawl. Uh, Sting gets involved and pulls Luger back to the home corner and Luger backs in the corner asks the referee to bag Bagwell Bag Bagwell? Back. <laughs> yeah. Why is he going to shopping? back Bagwell off as Bagwell's been tagged in and obviously Bagwell's hot after the, the cheap shot from Luger. Luger then tags Sting in like the coward that he is uh, but Sting really does sell well for Bagwell. However, the crowd pops big when he slams Buff down twice. Sting involves the crowd a lot more, which I appreciated because of obviously the last two fucking matches. I didn't think that the 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 they brought the crowd into it enough. Um, of course, with with Sting being over, he doesn't have to do much to get the crowd on their feet anyway and get them cheering for him. He gets them involved with a chant and the old ow and all the rest of it. Handles Riggs and tags Lex in. Riggs gets the advantage and the males use the tag to keep it fresh. Obviously, tagging in, tagging out, tagging in, tagging out. Bagwell goes for a big crossbody but misses and Luger goes crazy with a massive tantrum. He's slapping, he's punching, he's axe handling and his general hot-headedness has really ticked Sting off who's shouting for Lex to calm the fuck down. Uh, Bagwell with a comeback sends Lex down with a flying forearm. And then there is a hot double tag. Uh, a move each between Riggs and Sting. Sting with a big crossbody goes for a cover as Buff has gone to town on Lex to keep him out of the ring. Bagwell is on the apron and has time to break the pin. However, he hesitates for some reason. I don't know why. And I kind of I put it down to maybe a respect thing because he didn't want to sort of cheap shot Sting while he was going for the pin. Or... Maybe that he thought that Riggs was going to kick out. I, I'm I'm not entirely sure. Entirely sure. Uh, Lex basically just runs off with the belts, all smiles and laughing. And Sting is screaming at Lex that he wants his belt back. He snatches the belt and then he throws it on the floor to make sure that the male's arms are held up in a show of respect for the American males. The males then soak up the crowd ch- chanting, with Sting giving his famous woos to the crowd as Lex narcissistically gloats to the camera with his TV title and his tag title on his way up to the entrance or exit as it may be in this um, in this I've got to say I fucking really like this yeah. um 
it developed Lex as a character so fucking much. It gave so much fucking rub to the American males. It was good to see Sting back and the crowd are fucking still in love with Sting as well. There was nothing wrong no, with this it, match whatsoever. Incredible. Even Lex in the ring. Yeah, probably the best storytelling we've had on Natural so far. I, like, I completely you know, agree. You, you pointed out like uh, developing Luger's character. The the backstory of Bagwell being Sting's protege. That that really um that really complemented the match really well, particularly when Luger targeted Bagwell. You know, like you know, going going to town with going to town on him just to piss off his tag partner, just to yeah. piss off Sting. It was a really really good story, and. Yeah. Yeah, I cannot fault it at all. There wasn't really yeah, any, this is... there wasn't really anything wrong with the uh, with the actual match itself either. It was a very good match, but the yeah, storytelling it was... was it it really stood out. These four don't really perform uh, moves per se. Like they're not technical wrestlers by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of it is again drop kicks. You know, Sting's known for drop kicks. Riggs is known for drop kicks. Even Bagwell's known for drop kicks. Luger's all about forearms and, and clotheslines and that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, there are wrestling moves in it, but primarily, it's a lot. there's a lot of striking action and a whole bunch of storytelling. This just... Um, I couldn't praise this enough, to be honest, and that's me not... I'm just putting my bias for Sting aside. And, and you lack uh, a bias I'm, for Luger aside as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm totally with uh, you there, buddy. This this is the one, and this honestly is is one of the best matches we've ever covered yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. Um, go out your way to see it, as they normally say in old Conrad Thompson territory. Um, brilliant! I really fucking loved it, and I'd I'd, be, I'd actually be interested to see Meltzer's um, Meltzer's rating on that one. Not that I'm interested in Meltzer. I just want to see. I just want to shit on what he thinks. <laughs> uh, next up because I'm starting to get an erection about that match. Um, it's the Giant versus Ric Flair for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, as Ric Flair's making his entrance, Elizabeth is throwing Macho's money away to the crowd and all over the floor. And as they are approaching the ring, we actually see Macho Man being restrained at the ramp by Eddie Guerrero, Jim Duggan, and possibly Craig Pittman. However, I'm not entirely sure who that third guy was. Um... Liz goes up and actually says something to Macho, but then kind of worriedly looks back towards the ring while the woman just goes up to Macho and just slaps him right in the fucking face. <laughs> Giant shoves Fleur, who decides it's time to get out of the fucking ring. When he gets back in the ring, he attempts two shoulder barges off the rope and flops for both of them. <laughs> Hold on, right. Before we get into the match, did you hear the fan calling uh, Liz a slut? No. Yes, as Rick as Rick approaches the ring, he's he's just about to get onto the steps, and there's a man in the crowd. He's got a macho man hat on and a Hulkamania shirt, and he viscerally shouts "slut" wow. at Elizabeth. Rick Flair turns around and cusses out the wrong fucking fan. Oh man, no way! How the fuck did I miss this? I don't know. Right, but there's a, there's a guy next to him, a, a big ball guy. Rick Flair, you can't hear what he's saying, but you can tell he notably just turns to this guy and just uh, says something on the lines of, like, you know, shut the fuck up, have some respect type thing. 
and this fan's like, it wasn't me, it was him. <laughs> it, it, if I was him, I would be like, hold on a minute, I'd just been cussed out by Rick Flurry. Yeah, take that to the grave, man. Exactly. Yeah, man. Fucking hell, don't defend yourself, just fucking get on with it. <laughs> oh. Demented, twisted, world heavyweight champion. And really, really strange that the network did not censor slot as well. Yeah. Oversight on their part. <laughs> yeah. It was it was so loud and clear. Excellent. Yeah. Um, Giant shoves Fleury, decides it's time to get out of the ring straight away. Uh, when he gets back in, he attempts two shoulder barges and off the ropes and flops for both of them. <laughs> I fucking love them. <laughs> Does a lot for the Giant again. Uh, Rick knows what he's doing here. Chops do absolutely nothing to the Giant, and the Giant just press slams Fleur twice with relative ease. Fleur again out of the ring, but he's walking back to the uh, to the entranceway before dropping to his knees, almost as if he's in agony. The Giant comes out, and Fireman carries Rick Fleur back to the ring. More chops by Rick do absolutely nothing to the Giant. Right hands, nothing. A massive, quick vertical suplex on Ric Flair that the, the giant just <laughs> it just fell like a fucking tree with. Oh, the the comms, the guys at the commentary table, they just put it over like heck. Just happened. It was uh, really cool. Bischoff plugs the Hog Wild pay per view, which will be in August, while Flair gets a crossbody off the top rope, but Giant catches him with no problem much like Loch Ness should have done the other week. Backbreaker onto Ric Flair, and the Giant is on the fucking top rope again. I can't believe they actually still allow him to do this. He attempts a splash, but completely fucking misses as Ric rolls out of the way. The Giant goes for a running splash in the corner, uh, and the Giant almost disgustingly hits the fucking floor yeah, as he goes over the top rope. It looks so gnarly. He went flying over that top rope. Yeah, he did. He lifted off. It fucking... Whoa, I was worried for him. I really were. Uh, Fleur is now choking the giant with a wire handed to him by a woman who then distracts the referee. Rinse and repeat for a second time. Fleur perfectly hides it when the referee comes back over to check what's happening. He just, I think he tucks it back into his trunks and sort of veers off to the right-hand side as the referee's coming to the left-hand side to check on the giant. Uh, and now Fleur has the complete advantage. Uh, he strikes the shit out of the giant who is on his knees, but the giant shoves him off as he gets back up. But he's back down with a Rochambeau that even the fans felt. <laughs> I love when fans will just go, oh, when somebody gets a nut shot. It's, um, it's woman this time who's going to choke the giant out with a cord while referee distracts the referee. The referee Sorry? distracts the referee. Yeah, so you can tell I'm getting tired now, can't you? Um, while Fleur distracts the referee, uh, Fleur goes up top again as the giant gets up, but Fleur is getting sent back to the mat as giant recovers, and then we see a f- giant choke slam, which should give giant the win. However, here comes Arn with a steel chair. He hits the giant in the back full force, but the giant acts like he barely feels it. Sullivan has took the chair off to try and protect the giant however as the giant turns around he presumes that it's sullivan who's hit him while arn anderson is stood there like a five-year-old child pointing it and <laughs> pointing at his brother almost as if to say it was him mum honestly it was him yeah 
See, here's the thing, like, I, I, I often spot fondly of the father and son dynamic that Orin and Brian Pillman had. Yeah. And now he's acting like a fucking kid himself. He's doing <laughs> very Pillman stuff here. Yeah. Um, the giant believes him. So the giant goes for a choke slam on... I nearly said Dave Sullivan then. It's not. It's Kevin Sullivan. Uh, and down goes Kevin Sullivan onto the mat while Orin just laughs his tits off. But then the giant just directs his eyes at Orin Anderson, who quickly and quite comically stops laughing. And then he gets chalk slammed. <laughs> the giant leaves the ring as the referee calls it and an no contest in this one. Uh, we go back to the commentary desk and quickly off the air with bodies just everywhere in the ring. Um, a good finish to that Nitro, I thought, for a match that, that wasn't wasn't spectacular, obviously, because it's the giant. Uh, what, what did you think to the match and to the show there, Brian? Yeah, I really enjoyed the main event. Yeah. Yeah, it, again, told a really good story. Uh, cracks between uh, the horseman and the dungeon mm-hmm. and cracks between the giant and well pretty much giants and the everybody involved here yeah, um, yeah th- this is something that they were doing from the start quite clearly right from beginning the beginning of the match teases of a giant face turn yeah and I am all for it because he is as we saw in this match he is vastly improved. Like out, out out of nowhere, he's pulling out suplexes and backbreakers and oh, and everything looks fucking vicious. Yeah, uh, and it can't not be. Uh, he's, you know, he's a fucking seven foot, four hundred pound lean man. Of course, it's gonna look vicious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. I, I'm all for a face turn because the main event scene needs new faces, and I don't mean like faces as just needs new characters. It needs new good guys. Yeah. New people other than, than I, I'm going to be honest, it, you know, not just for Savage as well, you know, because it, it's just a rotation between the two. Yep. And yeah, so you insert insert the giant into it. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, the first turn was coming as well with the Loch Ness program because Loch, Loch Ness is part of the Dungeon of Doom and obviously they've got them two squabbling. So one of the others is going to have to make way. And I would presume you would presume, wouldn't you, that it's going to be the giant because the giant's been around longer. Yeah, um, yeah, I completely agree again with what you're saying there, Brian. We're definitely on the on the same fucking on the same phone line here, talking the same story. The rating for this one was a three point one to Raw's two point eight, and the raw results were Shawn Michaels defeating. Oh, by a the way, man... my, my rating for that Nitro was a three because oh, cool. it, yeah, other than the you know the first couple of matches, which you know were, were like let's face it, they were dog shit. Um, Apart, apart from the Savage match, obviously, but the second two matches, as I said, they were they were dog shit. Uh, yeah, the final two matches, they really they really pulled Nitro out the dirt. Uh, it, it, you know, it ended up being a very solid show. So the rate for that one was three point one to Raw's two point eight, and uh, the Raw results were interestingly somebody you were talking about last week uh, on the last episode of of the Nitrogen podcast was. Uh, so Shawn Michaels defeated Leaf Cassidy, who oh, was accompanied by Marty Jannetty. Uh, that got 11 minutes. Uh, Hunter Hearst Elmsley defeated Aldo Montoya in just under five minutes. Ahmed Johnson defeated Owen Hart via disqualification in the main event with just over five minutes. So there are only the three matches on Raw this week. Um, some, yeah, some fairly big names in there, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but Nitro with two weeks in a row so far 
with over threes as ratings, uh, Nitro seems to be gaining a lot of momentum here, even though the first Nitro was a little bit... Uh, the second one really, really did fucking pull the nose up, I thought. Yep, totally agree. And yeah, that's uh, that's a whole lot of fucking shit that we've just covered in this uh, latest episode of the Nitrogen podcast, and we we have just submitted you to, <laughs> to the, the doomsday cage of fucking nothingness. Uh, which we won't ever be doing again. We wouldn't recommend that you watch it, but we hope that you did enjoy us sort of ripping the piss out of it a little bit. And no, also... no, I'm, I'm going to change course. Watch it along with us. Oh yeah, you oh, yeah. Watch it, watch it along with us. But if you can't, yeah. well, we you're not... we just need to share the pain. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> you're certainly not missing much. As always, uh, it's been so fucking good to do this again. Uh, I actually missed this. I really, ne- really needed this today. Um, so much fucking shit going on in my life, and this has broke the monotony of it. Of course, I need to remind people about the competition that we've got going on. We are still giving away the hoodie and the t-shirt. You are looking for the pinned, the pinned status or the pinned tweet if you are on Twitter. Just look for it, like it, share it that's as simple and as easy as that you'll be in the draw to win a hoodie or a t-shirt exclusive t-shirt that we've not given the details of yet but brian did say quote it's fucking awesome end quote (laughs) and of course we want to be doing these things more often with you guys um looking at the statistics we are still gathering momentum with the downloads and the listeners and we can only say thank you thank you thank you very much to everybody that's sticking with us uh, whilst we just do this for fun uh, we hope that you're having a good time listening to us as well as always find us on the usual podcast networks on Spotify Apple that's supplied by Red Circle and of course we're all we're on Twitter we're on Facebook we're on Reddit and we're on Instagram at NitrogenCast uh, he is Das Acton Kid on Twitter I am HE6RT6GR6M on Twitter and we are out of time, Brian. So yep. it's a good night from me. And good night from me. Trick like fantastic car. See you for another episode of the greatest podcast of all time, the Nitrogen Podcast.